Alexis is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never right. been anybody as right. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from their club. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat your children. It was just banter. Stay off the weed. And England win on penalties. History in itself. You know, I think it's a great city. I think they got the best organization in the NBA. But they do have some big old wins. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why don't you take your pants off? Balls are fun. I understand. Come on, take it quickly, Reggie! Yes, good match. No money's in the fucking reserves. Listen, I ain't gonna forget about this by the time we get the Hello and welcome to episode 226 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Jack Harper, Tom Kennett, Alex Jones, and we do have Steve Brown, Statman Steve, joining us today. He he did ask me earlier if I could call him, what was it? St- Sky Sports Steve, or was it? <laughs> Steve Sports News, something Sky, like that. Sky Steve News. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see uh, after we've done this today. I will say... Steve did ask to come on. We've been talking about the Super League last week. I did think it was probably worthwhile getting someone that doesn't have a uh, dog in the race um, to talk about it when we're talking about divvying out punishments today or whether there should be one. But before we get to any of that, we do have news of the week. And it is, it's a big week for news. So uh, bear with me and I'll take you through the things. You see things that these conspiracy people say like, this is the, the stuff they don't want you to see. This is the stuff you should be seeing and you should be contacting your uh, local news and asking why you aren't hearing these stories. Because I'll start you off. A woman reveals she could shoot breast milk out of her armpit and shares <laughs> a video to prove it. <laughs> why aren't Sky News reporting that? <laughs> uh, I, uh, oh. Go on, Alex. I just, uh, yeah, all I'll say is that Sean and me both saw this headline and Sean said he was weirdly into it. <laughs> Your mic's strangely loud again this week. I don't know what we did to you last week because you've pumped up the volume. The I don't know if Jack said something to you sneakily. <laughs> the last You're week trying to get one over on him. I'll, I'll just try and talk even quieter, but <laughs> last week I was all wild. <laughs> well... Elderly woman taken to wrong house by ambulance and tucked up in stranger's bed. How do you even react to that? If you get home, you, you walk into your room and there's just an old woman in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> How does she react when you walk in there? I don't, there's so many things there. There's no real right reaction you can have. You can't win. <laughs> um, Asian San Jose cop in trouble for nunchucking suspect to Mortal Kombat music. lot to take in there and how to unpack it because the way it sounds it's like they put on the Mortal Kombat music for the purpose of nunchucking this suspect <laughs> so let's hope they were guilty 
Um, you are on mute, Steve, by the way, if you were saying anything, just so you know. Um, Monk chops off own head for good luck in the afterlife. <laughs> uh, Joe Exotic accepts Carol Baskin's offer to help reduce prison sentence. Don't know what she's doing or what she's making him say, admit, but <laughs> who knows? Um, gender reveal party using 80 pounds of explosives sets off earthquake. These need to stop. These are like. Caused a forest fire last year, now this. What gender can your baby possibly be that warrants 80 pounds of explosive to let people know? <laughs> I'd want to be declaring that you're giving birth to an alien or something. Uh, Oklahoma woman charged with felony for not returning VHS tape 21 years ago. It was uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch that she didn't respond, uh, that she didn't return, so she yeah, really loved case, it. Or uh, That's acceptable though, isn't it? <laughs> she deserves what's coming to her then in that case. She's holding <laughs> on to that. That's gold. Uh, Minnesota's Mohawk King aims to clinch second Guinness World Record for tallest hair. Still, right. oh, Alex wouldn't, wouldn't get the record for us just by running in a wetsuit. Is he the guy that has like Obviously a mohawk, but he sprays it. <laughs> sprays it different colours and different signs. That's Peter Wright. <laughs> no, because funny story. When I went to Vegas, I actually saw that guy. If it is well, the same he, guy, he may have been in training at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty one long one to wait for. There's nothing you can do really to speed that process up while you're going for the record. You're just waiting. Um, Teacher who got drunk and took students to a strip club on a school trip is banned for three years. I don't know if he's banned from being a teacher, if he's banned from that strip club or, <laughs> or what. I don't know which he'd prefer. But it's a hell of a school trip. I don't know what age the Patience. kids were either. If they're just chucking their lunch money at the pole. <laughs> uh, one you've probably all seen this week. Uh, fake Conor McGregor gets three years in jail for dealing drugs. <laughs> if you've not seen the picture of this guy please Incredible. look it up because I think they should have arrested the people that fell for it he's like the crack version of him isn't it <laughs> well he had his own business cards McGregor Enterprises as well so fair play that's one of them where uh, birds claim they've got a lookalike that's like a hundred times better looking than them but they still believe it and this is what's happened in this instance um, You're saying the people who fell for it are stupid. Like they wouldn't if the lookalike was really good. They're still not really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> like I'm really just gonna be dealing that side. Well, you never know. Um, yeah. Japanese man arrested for dating 35 women. That's not all the crime is there in particular, <laughs> but, but he was arrested for it. So uh, let that be a lesson to all you kids. Um, what else have we got? Man jumps through car window to stop dangerous driver in Albania. How dangerously do you have to be driving that someone has to jump through your car window to stop you? I wonder what the outcome is. <laughs> yeah, like that's going to increase the way, the, the way he's driving. That's going to make it better, just jumping through his windshield. Uh, serial wedding crasher allegedly stole gifts from more than a dozen couples in three states. Chaz on the loose. Yeah. 
Winning Greyhound tested positive for meth. <laughs> Something. Wow. Everyone's <laughs> probably suspected <laughs> when you do see one occasionally. That is definitely on something. Um, two Russian five-year-old boys dig their way out of kindergarten and tried to buy a Jaguar sports car. That's a film. That's a film. Russia's a wild place. Um, DC cop cars totaled after officers attempted to drag race next to a cliff. That's Doesn't say they died, so <laughs> <laughs> the embarrassment <laughs> when they have to report what happens there. Um, the Crown is struggling to find an actor to play Prince Andrew in their fifth series. Strange that. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't understand why. Was it? It's Kevin Spacey's comeback, isn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> it's written for him. Some of the stories you hear about anything people will do to get famous, I'm surprised there isn't someone jumping in the bit. Not one way you try your method acting either, Alex. <laughs> Uber driver drove into a canal and still charged me twenty nine thirty one for the journey. Uh, death by Zoom. Virus hit Indonesia orders executions online. That's got to be galling, isn't it? <laughs> what the? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is like the court case is taking place on Zoom or if they're quite literally. <laughs> Someone orders their execution on Zoom and they just have all those like clapping hands next <laughs> to their face afterwards. Fake or like, uh, or crowd noise in the background, those... applause and. Yeah, or judge with a fucking one of those party hats on from the effects. I saw the other day that the last use of the uh, guillotine in uh, Europe was actually in the 70s in France. That seems far more recent than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love a guillotine, mind. <laughs> well, it, it was, was that phase where just like every other journalist that for some reason kept going overseas was getting the same treatment. Probably when we were in about <laughs> year 10. So... Did you, I don't know if I shared it into the chat at all, but you, you might have all seen the post about Christopher Lee, Sarah Man from Lord of the Rings. Did no. you see? So he, so in his life, he witnessed the last public execution in France using oh, a guillotine. Yeah, go on. He almost on. married, almost almost married Swedish royalty. Was given the permission by the King of Sweden. Inspiration for James Bond, which was written by his step cousin Ian Fleming. He is James Bond. The only member of Lord of the Rings cast to actually meet Tolkien and played in a heavy metal band. That guy knew how to live. Crikey. <laughs> but to what, see the what? last... Yeah, is, that, is that something to brag about, seeing the last execution? No, it's not, but it's like... It, it's like, it is the sh- the fright that that was still going on in the 70s. I know like we were still... Britain was still hanging people. Um, not I don't know when the last hanging was in Britain, but guillotine's a little bit more... Well, game I remember someone at school telling me that Fred West was hung, and I believed it for like a year. Well, I just, I just didn't know the end. Maybe he's talking about his dick. Maybe he just knew something we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you want about him, but he was hung like a fucking donkey. So, swings and roundabouts. No. Well, on that bombshell, the final bit of news we've got for this week: uh, Michigan woman glues eyes shut after mistaking nail glue for eye drops. Oh, Christ. Would you rather that or what happened to Jim in American Pie? 
<laughs> one yeah. significantly worse for your health, but one significantly worse to explain. That's, <laughs> that's very much asking a British person whether you would be embarrassed or seriously compromised health. Which one do you want? I genuinely don't know which I'd rather. It says a lot. Um, and then finally, before we move on, we do have another edition of Movie Madness this week. Slight change to the agenda. We're doing Back to the Future 1 rather than 2 due to the fact that Keenan and Sean somehow haven't seen Back to the Future before, which I don't know if I was alone now. I just couldn't believe that nobody had Wait, seen what? that. Jesus. Yeah. So we were going to do the second one, but it kind of, for anyone that's listened to the podcast, know that Sean and Keenan do strangely just go silent sometimes as it is, so... If we're talking about a sequel to a film that they haven't seen before, it could have literally just been me and Jack with no real interaction. So, I, there we go. I believe Sean has not seen Back hey, to the Future. Nor can I, but if Back to the Future 2 is your preferred Back to the Future, now's a good time to say me and Jack do have an interview coming out on Friday with Jeffrey Weissman, who played... George McFly in the second film. And if you didn't know that it was a different actor, you do now check the interview and uh, hear the story. And we may reference that shortly anyway. But Alex, we'll go to you first. Back to the Future versus The Mummy this week. Back to the Future. I, I, respect, I respect The Mummy. It is a good film, but Back to the Future is iconic. Do you prefer two or one? Or three? If you're really rash. <laughs> no, no. Um, I will... Oh, Jesus, that is tough. I am going to go with... I'm going to go with one. TK, uh, The Mummy or Back to the Future? Yeah, I'm rolling with Back to the Future as well. And Steve? It's got to be Back to the Future. Greatest trilogy of all time. I, have, I did say to Jack... Um, Usually, whichever film you prefer, just assume Sean will like the other. So he's probably shaking his head while we listen to this now. But we will get into now the collapse of the ESL. We spoke in, in great depth about it last week. I mean, before we even break it down, I do kind of have a short chain of events. I've got minimal notes this week. So just kind of, well, literally notes rather than paragraphs. So if we go straight back to last week, we've just finished the pod. We've spoken about the ESL the positives, the negatives, all of this. We flipped on Monday Night Football. Gary Neville is making a more emotional plea than Daniel Sturridge after his dog was nicked on Instagram. Compare the two, and you would think Neville's dog was nicked and not Sturridge. Leeds come out wearing their T-shirts. We later find out that they've put them in the Liverpool dressing room as well, which was a touch that clearly annoyed Jurgen Klopp. Um, Tuesday, we still... Don't really know where we are with this. Me and Jack sit down to do the interview that we've just referenced, um, just as fans are kind of protesting outside of Stamford Bridge uh, as Chelsea prepare to face... Who are you facing on Tuesday? Sheffield? Brighton. Brighton, OK. Um, by the time we finished the interview, Chelsea and City have left the ESL, confirmed. Um, we saw it popping up during the interview, didn't really know what's going on. In fact, the interview, you won't see this on there. That would be strange. But we actually lost connection to him briefly. And he joined to hear me and Jack discussing how <laughs> Chelsea had shown up the other clubs by leaving first and getting there. And he must have been very confused as to what was going on. 
Um, but by the end of the day, all six clubs have left. The Premier League, other 14 clubs have put out their own statements to share their disgust. Um, Boris tries to take credit for all of this collapsing, which we now know maybe isn't quite the truth. Uh, Steve was Steve was riding with Boris, so we'll, we'll get to that as well. Um, we now know, supposedly, with him. Steve, you gave him full credit for it, for it tumbling down. Um, the English teams, we're told, were paid by UEFA to withdraw from the Super League, and UEFA president uh, Seferin came out at the weekend saying that the six clubs were back in the fold, adding... The important thing now is that we move on, rebuild the unity, and that the game we enjoyed before this continues as we move forward together. Um, today he's come out again uh, and said, the 12 ESL clubs will face punishments, but the English clubs will be shown leniency for their actions. <laughs> um, I, I partly thought they might find them and then just take the money back, but there we go. So the question here is, what should the punishment be, if anything? And is anyone disappointed that uh, the ESL has collapsed? Um, Alex, if you say there wasn't a point yesterday, and we'll get to that game, that you thought things would be a lot easier if we didn't just uh, if we just had the ESL to fall back on next season, then I think you're <laughs> lying. Um, so Steve, we'll actually go to you first, as you've come on just for this. What do you think the punishment should be? So. It's a tough one, really. Obviously, they did technically break uh, a Premier League rule. Um, I can refer to that rule if you don't know it. If Go you on. want me to. So it's, it's the L9 rule, which is, um, except with prior written approval of the Premier League board, during the season, a club shall not enter or play in senior men's football team in a com- any competition other than the Champions League, Europa League, FA Cup, Community Shield, League Cup and competitions sanctioned by the county associations of which it is a member of. Um, so the the original statements on the Sunday night were. Hold, hold uh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Oh. Read that just the very start of it again. Did you say playing? So it shall not enter, it says enter or play. Enter, enter, enter or play. So this is going to lead me on to my next point. So the okay. the original on the Sunday where they said that the joining. So this is from Man City. This is their official statement. AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, City, United, Real Madrid and Tottenham have all joined. Joined is the key word there. Joined as founding clubs. It is anticipated that a further three clubs will join ahead of the season, which is uh, intended to commence as soon as possible. So where they've said joined means that they have technically entered into it. I don't know if you would agree or disagree with that. Well, no, because because it's it's all comes down to the paperwork at the end of the day and whether it's actually anything been signed on the dotted line. Well, they which I'm sure, but but they went to Paris. And then again, yeah, they, they have signed Paris, a 23-year contract. Well, the thing the thing is though, the thing is though, I'd be very surprised if anything like that was actually legally binding and official because none, nothing else about the process was handled professionally. We well, had to pay to get out of it, so there's obviously something official there. Yeah, it, I mean, it, so the thing is I, that when you when you join, you you've agreed with everyone else. You've agreed with all the other people involved. You've agreed with um, JP Morgan that you you are going to do it. So there would have been a contract in place regardless. No, JP Morgan agreed to back the competition. They didn't sign anything up yet. 
I think part. I think what they'll fall back on, Steve, is that they'll claim it wasn't coming in until next season. Is I yeah. think what what the fallback will be. But although I don't the, disagree the role, with the wording. The draw, I'm surprised they were naive enough to kind of put that statement out that does yeah, essentially so, incriminate you. But you said that that mm-hmm. then it's during the season, so that they're, they're within the season, so they've agreed to join it for next season, which is talking about. I don't disagree. I'm. Just, I think that will be what the four what they yeah, fall yeah. back on. Yeah, and obviously the money that UEFA have given them um, to being told a large amount of cash was given to the English clubs, but none of the other clubs. So they were the only team, uh, only clubs that were offered money to back out. Apparently, we spoke about this slightly last week, and it's been mentioned by the people since. There's been a, a lot suggesting any kind of punishment that takes from the pockets of these clubs, which considering the whole thing was started because they're supposedly skimmed, does that not seem shooting yourself in the foot? Because I think what this has shown is these clubs are more powerful than UEFA and each footballing federation would, would, would like to admit. United could do this again tomorrow. And the Premier League will still beg to have them back. That, that's the sad reality, isn't it, really? So that's it's, why I think any punishment is going to be slap they, on the wrist. I don't know if it's also shown their power that much in terms of they all back down very quickly. I mean, they obviously I all mean, thought they'd get away with this and back down within two days. They didn't back the, down, though, because of I any say kind the, of legislation. They backed down because <laughs> of the uproar, mainly from fans, I would say. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say it's the fans or the media because if you think about it, when you're a billionaire, you would have been, been like abused or like people would have had a go. You have a regardless. Scheme, yeah, yeah. As Gary Neville was said on uh, on the Monday night, they don't give a shit about who what they people say about them. They're businessmen. They they're there to make money. So fans protesting, next players, players protesting. I don't think that would have done a lot. I think it was they would have carried on with it. Um, no, I, I, t- I, mean, I, t- why, I just, why didn't they then? Because I, they yeah, knew they were going to get pushed back from unless because yeah. they got the yeah. money from uh, UEFA. I don't think if they didn't get that, they would have carried on with it. Personally, no, I, I, I completely disagree. I think the fans and the influence that the player, the ex-players, and the footballing community had was the crucial thing, and that is the, probably going to be the crucial thing that determines what if there is going to be any punishment at all. Because there's a lot of fans out there that are obviously calling for the clubs to be punished. Um, but the vast majority of those fans are fans of the clubs that aren't involved, or fans of the clubs that aren't involved. The moment you start to punish the, these clubs in severe ways, you send them straight back into the arms of this Super League. You punish them too much, and they're just going to go, you know, straight back in the ball game. And what you've got to do is that tricky balance with enforcing enforcing on those clubs enough that you don't upset the fans by, you know. Obviously, a lot of people said relegate them, send them all the Alex, way down. Alex, to the before away. before you say what you think should happen, if Steve, if you let us know what you think the punishment should be, and we'll go from there. Uh, again, I, I get what you mean. Um, so these are the potential punishments that could happen. I'm not saying I agree with all of them. These are the potential ones that have been thrown around. So get a scene. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. I don't think many of the clubs would oppose the people that would be up for it getting it. <laughs> Karen Brady will be, full of, will be uh, for it. <laughs> uh, so 
banned from European competitions, which we know won't happen now, banned from FIFA competitions, uh, existing titles stripped, banned from international football, re-entry to the fifth tier, relegation, fines and points deduction uh, are the options. If if one of the threats is taking European competitions off people, I change my mind. I'm all for the punishments. <laughs> Take these European cups off Liverpool, Madrid, Chelsea, and a lot of them. I think Let's I do it, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't think fines would do anything. I don't think fines would affect the club. It doesn't mean they're not going to do it again. Um, I think they're going to try again in the next 10 years. Um, really, I think looking back at previous um, punishments that have happened, teams going to administration, EFL spending rules, for example, Shefford Wednesday got 12 points docked. Um, none of it was the players' faults. None of it was the managers or the staff's fault. They didn't know anything, but they had to suffer because of incompetent owners. Um, now, I think what could happen is that they'll get a fine and a 12-point deduction. And that's it. I think because if unfortunately those top six teams bring in so much money for the Premier League and for the football pyramid, you, you you can't do them too hard. Unfortunately, as much as the the rest of the fourteen want that to happen, they want to get severely punished. Realistically, they're not, that's not going to happen, is it? I mean, if you give a twelve-point deduction to City, they'll still finish second or first. Same with Liverpool. Wait, when 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 do you, when would you put the twelve point deduction in? Would start next season start or this next, season? Start next season. Of course, don't take any points off us this season. <laughs> You'll be relegated. <laughs> <laughs> so I I think that would be fair. Just looking back, like in two thousand eight, Bournemouth deducted twenty seven points for going into administration. Um, Luton again with twenty nine points deduction two thousand seven. Chester twenty five point deduction and then dissolved in 2009 so that's just going for administration not trying to ruin the English football in general um, so that's what that's what I think I'm not sure about trying to ruin English football I don't think these Premier League clubs were saying you know what this is what we're going to do because they were still going to play in the competition as it was whether 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 Arsenal are played in the Europa League or the ESL isn't, isn't doing anything for Everton. It's not doing anything but, for. But it does, though. If you think about it, Sheffield. so for example, if they went ahead with it and they've got Barcelona on the Wednesday night, they've got Burnley on the Saturday or Sunday, and then they've got Juventus on the Wednesday, those teams are going to prioritise those big games. And they're going to... What's the difference between that and the Champions League latter rounds? Since 2014, they technically have to play their strongest team. They can't just put out reserve players. No, so not, what's the difference between Europe, so, European competitions? Um, um, do you remember the, the season Liverpool got to the Europa League final? And this is one of the biggest cases I can remember of it, just because it was so blatant, was they quite clearly said, we aren't bothering with the league anymore. Let's try and get back to the Champions League through, through the Europa. Backfired in the end. Um, no real opinion on that either way. <laughs> but these things clearly aren't enforced. And there was no complaints as to what happened to each team that they faced for the rest of the season. So when you're playing in the latter stages, if if City didn't have a cup final this weekend, they'd, they'd be resting players before they play PSG this week anyway. So I don't really see what the difference is there. See, what, what I find quite funny as well is that the new Champions League format snuck in under the radar where... 
I don't agree with that either. Was it Sean that's on board with that? I'm not, I don't want to put words there, but I think he said that you'll get to play some different teams, so it's more appealing. Just imagine. We're, looking at, we're, we're talking about this now as if um, if we were playing the big boys every other week and, and we could be resting players in mid, against the lower league oppositions. Because that's going to happen anyway with this new format. That It's pretty much identical format-wise. The only difference is, is there's you have to qualify for it. And even so, if teams don't qualify for it, they get put in on what they call legacy um, like previous yeah. performances. So <laughs> teams like Chelsea... That's the thing that's been snuck in. It, exactly. So it's almost identical. It's just the Good fact that us. you have to actually qualify for it. Which we were moaning about I was going to lose its glass if you're going to be playing Real Madrid, Juventus every other week. Like those big ties are going to lose its gleam, and that's exactly what's going to happen anyway. Yeah, but Do we think like, Steve uh, would care if if West Ham weren't in the chase in the top four. Well, like for example, if that if that rule went ahead, we finished fifth, and United finished sixth, for example, we wouldn't get Champions League, but United would because of because of their status. Yeah, just so your thoughts on the ESL, are you more passionate because you're chasing top four? No. Because I don't know if I, I told you this. Is in relegation Jack zone. did say the best thing about it would be if it went ahead and West Ham finally got Champions League and no one else was in it. <laughs> I didn't say the best thing. I said it would be hilarious because that would just be so West Ham. It would be. So Steve, if 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 you have it your way, you're getting a fine and a twelve point deduction for these teams. Yeah, I personally think that'd be fair enough. It, it, twelve points, they're they're good enough to get those twelve points back within four or five games, and they'll. Let's not put everyone together there. <laughs> City are getting twelve points, easy enough. We're getting twelve points. But, they they should be punished. I think that would affect the owners more, and it, it, the fans will get not uh, they will get more hostile to the owners to try and drive them out as well because they'll lower down the table. Um, I also think the fifty plus one rule should come ahead as well. Won't work in England. Do you not reckon? Well, who's who's funding imagine, the extra money for the affiliates and TV doing it? <laughs> But yeah, that 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 rule over here would just never work. There's too much money at stake to ever get to the position where it can happen. Yeah, I get that. That's, we had we had members on the on the on the board until Cronky took over and he just forcibly bought them out and that was them done, so it's that easy. Yeah. In terms of punishment, um I think it's. I think the clubs are being screwed over by the chairman that are clinging on to their jobs. So at Arsenal, um, you know, Ivan Kateshim is the example, and I don't think he's the guy that's behind it all. But he's the guy who, in that position, you come down with the house of cards, and he's refusing to leave his job, I believe, until until he's forced out. And as is the case with most of the other positions, I don't think Levy is a. Uh, going to be jumping out. And so I think if those people had stepped down, I think that they'd have stood behind that and said that was the punishment, they'd say. We got rid of people who were behind it. They'd force these people to the spotlight and they probably would do a fine. I think 
they may feel they have to do more because these people are still there and it looks like they've gone away with it. But I actually don't, I don't think there should be any punishment. Are you, are you saying that as a no top six fan or are you saying that as a football <laughs> fan? That, that's the question. Well, I guess it's it's hard to I know it's hard cross to over to the both because I am that, but I, I don't see it making a difference because if they want to do it, they're going to do it. I don't think a, a, a points thing is putting it off. And until they start quoting this rule and get down to the small print of it, I haven't seen them quote this rule back and say this is what they've broken and this is why they're being punished. Like they were claiming that the government were going to bring in legislation. What the hell were they even talking about? What laws were they claiming were being broken? There was poppycocking going, peacocking going on. By so many people claiming that things were being broken, while no evidence of this was being done, and the closer we get to inspecting it, the less it looks like it's been done wrong. If this is what we're falling back on, the that this, this tiny rule about going into a competition at this stage, it's not I think you've got very little, very little to stand on. It's not really a tiny rule, is it? Well, I mean, it's not like illegally buying a player and staying up <laughs> just for those reasons. Right, I got this. I knew you were going to say that. So West Ham technically didn't break any rules. The third-party oh, ownership... Okay. Oh, no, no, let me finish. The third-party <laughs> ownership rule came in at the beginning of 08 and 9 season, a year after the whole saga developed. Yeah. Uh, before that, it was just frowned upon. Uh, and then Why would they, they get did. to find all that money? Then? Yeah. Because it was an absolute mess. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a reason why they found So after we got fined, we got fined 30 million. Our owner, we actually nearly went into administration for it. So our owner was a, um, owned a bank in Iceland. Um, it happened during the... Um, What's it called? Can't remember financial the word. Crash. The financial crash. That's the badger. Uh, so they lost a load of money on that, and then XL, our sponsor, went bust as well. So we lost so much money. So we actually. So what the hell to, are you blaming we it? We nearly went to administration for it, so we suffered large for altogether. I'm not sure that's got anything to do with the financial crisis. So basically, we're saying you got a slap on the wrist. Well, no, because it wasn't a rule. Was it? Play, it was a staying up at the time. So what? So why did you get fined if if it was just? Yeah, I feel the like there must have been some to, sort of rule. In you'd it. have to look back into the paperwork. The third I guess, party ownership thing, I'm sure, was a thing because no, it was a thing from the start. Hold on, hold on. The way, so the exact same things that you're picking up us on in terms of like we're going into a nitpicky defence on the specific rules and the paperwork and stuff like that. You're doing the exact same now. <laughs> well, technically I'm not because... Because this is my club. That wasn't a rule back then. This has been a rule. So I, I haven't <laughs> nitpicked around it. There's a difference. So morally, so so morally, so morally, even if that... Probably should have got relegated. No, I'm just saying we probably should have got relegated. We should probably. You didn't say this to me the other day. You said to me, "It's not, it's not West Ham's fault that other teams are worse than them." But there, there is that as well because if if West Ham were worse, they would have got relegated. Without this player, you definitely would have got that. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Whereas this rule, we were, lucky not, te- we were lucky not to get that. When you look back on it, we were. Yeah, Neil Warnock just got told to pipe down every time but he then, kicked off. I was like, Neil, we don't need to hear this. But then, United, <laughs> they said, we want this money, and that's it. They want a 30 million, pay it, and there you go. Well, they'd already had to accept they were down, so they were like, give us some cash. 
exactly. So probably further punishment could have happened, but that's what they wanted as like compensation, and that's what they got. Yeah, I I think when, when you look into as, it, that when you well, read I, back into it, that is literally what happened. I think we're both as bad as each other here. I think West Ham should have had more of a punishment. Yeah, I think these and I think these clubs should. I don't. I'm not sure they will, but I think they should. I agree with your well, conclusion I, there. I I I think if you're a if you're a footballer if you're a foot if you're talk, doing it you're talking about it from a fan's perspective and you're doing it for the love of the game, you don't punish you don't punish the players and the legacies of the club. The only way you can go after these businessmen, which are trying to supposedly steal the game away from the fans, is you 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 go at them in a way you with the the reform that's going not the reform the the review into the 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 fan led review along with the government into this into what's been what's going on you you attack them from a business standpoint unfortunately i know you're saying fines don't do anything but they're not going to want to take a hit from a financial standpoint none of these businessmen they care more about money than anything else so hitting them from a financial standpoint will deter them it won't solve it but it'll deter them the way you really hit them is you tie their hands from a financial and business standpoint. There's nothing. There's no point in going after the players, the managers, and the fans for what they've achieved because I they, disagree on that. that. We should be all right. Chelsea spent seventy million during a transfer ban, so the rest of us we should be sorted. Why do you disagree? Why do you disagree? Steve, by the way, uh, you broke a Premier League legislative rule uh, B13, which obliges clubs to deal with each other and with the league in good faith. Because you failed to disclose deals of the deal, details of the deals. According to this, according to Reuters, it's uh, always been a Premier League rule. It didn't come in the year after. You didn't get punished for a rule that was brought in the year after. The 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 rule about third party membership came in a year after. The rule, this rule, came in was already existing. So we broke the third party rule. No, it says. Uh, you broke the rule that obliges uh, you to disclose all details of the deal. Well, fair enough, then. We probably should have got more. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying. I don't get why you're saying So I, I'm saying go out. So we know for a fact that by the sounds of things, it was the guys right at the top, the chief shareholders, the guys right at the top of the club. And not even the entire the entire hierarchy of these clubs knew what was going on. So it wasn't as if like everybody at the top agreed. I actually find this the, hard to believe. I think they were all in on it. But even okay, so but even still, even still, you're still saying go after the go after the club and go after the players and go after the managers when it's not funny. There, in the previous rules. years, you tell that to Rangers fans, you tell that to commentary fans. Portsmouth, Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Bury, Darlington, we Bournemouth, Wigan, Newton. They've, they've all, <laughs> all teams. The Bury, for example, the players didn't know what was going it's not on. The they same were actually, thing, is it? They went on to Talk Sport and the Bury chairman was on it. And the Bury captain yeah. was asking for his wages on Talk Sport and slating him. They all have history. They, they are long. They've been around for years and years and years. But again, all the players, the staff, the fans, everyone had to had to suffer from incompetent owners. It's, it doesn't matter. Unfortunately, that's the way punish, it is. So you, punish, you punish you punish the top teams. You you know you hit them hard. You put in point deductions. You take away cups and stuff not, like it's, that. It's, what do you what do you what do you think? What kind of effect do you think that has on the 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 the, the triangle 
and the rat when you, if you like literally deduct from the top completely you send them way down how do you think that's going to affect all the tv rights how do you think that's going right. to affect the can track? i just say you have misquoted yeah, because... me because i i generally never said that they should get title stripped i never said they should go down to the fifth tier or anything so that's i don't what know you heard can, what I just want. Can it. we bring Jack? Jack, <laughs> he's also got the wrong shape. It's a pyramid. It's not trying. Jack, we haven't we haven't heard much from you here, and I'll say this: you you don't really know Steve other than doing the podcast as much as I do, and perhaps TK. What do you think Steve's view would be if West Ham had been included in the Super League? It's hard, like like you said. It's hard for me to put words in Steve's mouth. I, I, I could been... tell you what I. I, I'm, I could <laughs> I'm, tell I'm you. I'm sure you would. I've been sat here listening to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think if you look, take your perspective from like most. I was obviously some. I am a supporter of the team that was in it. I was completely against it. But if you look at it now, the way that I've looked at it is that they've probably known about this Champions League restructure. A lot longer than we have because obviously they've been in the ECA and they've been in part of the meetings that have gone around it. They've done this to generate more money for the big clubs because the big clubs have always been threatened to do something like this. And what they've done, we thought they were changing football completely. But actually, all they've done is copied the new Champions League format and just ring fenced it. So it's just a sour taste in your mouth, full stop. It's like the fact that your wafer were coming out as the good guys and all of this. And then we've just turned around and looked at it and thought, you know what, actually, no, they're all fucking wankers. Everyone is. Let's bring um, it back. Let's I bring agree it back. with you on that. <laughs> Let, What'd you say, back. Alex? Bring it back? Uh, no. No. Oh. <laughs> I think, oh, look, I'm, I'm not going to put words into Steve's mouth, because <laughs> at the end of the day... If West Ham were in it, it'd still be crusading for Burry and all the boys, right? It'd still be back in the <laughs> you, good you'd like to I maintain it. That's the case. That's the camp I was in last week. I was in yeah. it. We probably we might not get it this season. <laughs> I can this tell season. you, Steve would Steve would be all for it. <laughs> I, generally, I generally would. He'd be saying, "Oh, just... we want to see Mark Noble have his final send-off <laughs> against Real Madrid and Barcelona." <laughs> no, even if we, the the sad reality is like. If all 20 teams in the Premier League got offered it, 95% of them would have accepted. Yeah. Um, I would agree with it regardless if, if we were in it or not. I would, I'd still want something to happen to us if that happened. I'd also want Golden Sullivan Brady's to go. Um, <laughs> That's regardless. Of, For very different reasons. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. It's just you want another, them out like, anyway. It's another push to get them out, I guess. Um <laughs> Yeah. I don't think Steve's opinions on West Ham have ever really been a good one to go on. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, just 5th of November 2017. I like the if we do bring in boys, we're just digging ourselves into a deeper hole. Why get a, re- why get a replacement that's worse than the current situation? <laughs> He'd rather have Eddie Howe or Alan Pardew. Get Pards back in. Um, wait, that's more... The house of Pards. <laughs> why, why are you talking about that? I saw it last night and I was going to send it to you then. Oh, yeah, I still take Eddie Howe. Um, But yeah, that's that's, that's the reality of it, isn't it? It, It's not acceptable if if you support the clubs, if you don't support the clubs, if your team team were involved in it, you you still wouldn't be happy. You'd still want punishment. I think, and I, I, I wish there was a journalist out there who had done this. I think it's telling if you compare the times as to which 
each of the clubs put out their statement condemning the ESL. Because there was definitely a few that thought they were getting an invite to the party and were clinging on to the last minute. And I don't know this. <laughs> I'd imagine West Ham thought they were pretty high up on that list, yeah, the teams that were going to be approached next. When That's... they saw Sevilla turning it down, they were like, right, lads, oh. we can't be too far away. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts were on Spurs being invited, Steve, but I did ask Connor Palmer. He was meant to be on uh, today, but he's got to walk. He's got to feed his dog and walk his dogs. So this is what the ESL means to these boys. But he said to me, uh, each team involved should be docked 40 points minimum. Also docked less than 10 points and had Mark Noble, the premier league. <laughs> so this is the basis. These West Ham fans are going on. No, the thing he's is, he's uh, not even yeah, tried he, to cover up his approach. Like, <laughs> he didn't try covering it up when he declared <laughs> Yaya to be uh, worse worse than Declan Rice. They can't take you worse than Declan Rice. <laughs> nor did Steve, actually, so we're not sure there. Jack, um, what do you think the punishment should be before we move on? If you think there should be one. Yeah, I think, I think there should, to be fair. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be hypocrite and say they shouldn't if you think and I know everyone's been saying oh yeah it's the response well, they always say but if you do take away points you are punishing the fans as much as you are punishing the owners and people will say oh what about Portsmouth and oh what about Huddersfield well they've got dot points etc yes the issue is they weren't big teams this is how it works but this is this is it so you dot Portsmouth won the FA Cup more recent than Tottenham just saying if you're, if you're going, I'm all for docking Spurs points. If you're going to dock more recently than us, fuck. If you're going to dock these six clubs points and say they don't get the Champions League next season, what are they going to do? They're going to go and make their own again, and that's the way it'll be. Um, should they be heavy fines? Yeah, transfer ban maybe. Stick with what you got. Could be that. Um, I guess it's hard because they haven't worked any transfer regulations, but it'll stop them from growing and allow other teams to get. In the summer, where potentially Mbappe and Haaland are both going to start moving around teams, ban the water. You might get that Newcastle move after all. <laughs> I think the transfer embargoes wouldn't affect Arsenal or Tottenham. They don't sign anyone anyway. Um, yeah, I think they should be punished. It needs to be one of those where, what's the term I'm looking for? It needs to make it be an example made of them. A deterrent. But again, it still brings you back to the point that I said earlier that. If the Champions League has stayed the same, then I'd be all for it. But all I know that it's going to be an ESL just with relegations and promotions. So it's all just it's all just gone to shit. <laughs> all right, then lastly, but before we, what do you think, TK? And then we'll get on to Spurs. Yeah, if it was to be honest, if this was a maths paper, I'd be looking at Steve's answers, thinking I agree with his answer. I've looked at his workings out. I can't quite get my head around it, but he's got the right answer in the end, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I reckon something along the lines of a point deduction around 10 or 12 sort of points would make sense, I think. And to go back to sort of AJ's pushback on Steve with the same, it wouldn't be interesting. I think there'd be few things more interesting than seeing these clubs have to scramble for minus 12 at the start of next year. Yeah. I find that kind of fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, there has, there has to be some form of punishment, I think. I don't, I don't know that they have to have the book thrown at them quite as much as some people do. I think some out there probably just want blood, which I kind of get, but I think that has to be something and that's probably the only thing they can do. 
on that TK. I do I do think like for example if they do minus ten points, um, that's sort of like a warning I guess that if they do it again, something yeah, worse will happen. So I think it, as you say, it's a good example. Without make without kind of without destroying it, them or it gives anyone. the owners the excuse as oh, well. Look what they've done to us, and they try and almost put themselves the victim. We've got to go to this breakaway league because we're being sort of oppressed in our own league. Yeah, is what they would try and do. From however many points each team finishes on this year, take the amount of points off them that they were away from sixth place. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry, I thought you were going to say the. <laughs> that they finished on this year, take that away from the start of next year, and then no. Arsenal have got. A... <laughs> or no, we get points added on to get to sixth place. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we'll get on to Spurs. Steve, are you sticking around to revel in Spurs uh, failures, or are you bouncing? Is that is that is that is, is that not huh? it? It was a good good, good podcast, guys. <laughs> next week, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> No, uh, I'm going to bounce. Right. So I'll do that. Adios. If you need me again at all, you need Statman yep. Steve, come at me. Yes. Adios. Always pleasure, boys. Have a good one. So All right, now we can slag him off. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love if he's right. in there. I just said it. <laughs> all right, so... Man City did win the Carabao Cup for the fourth year in a row after Omrick Laporte steered them to a 1-0 win over Tottenham in front of 8,000 fans at Wembley. I wouldn't usually go to a man like this, but when he's dropping truth bombs, as he has been today, I will read you the outlook on Jamie O'Hara on the game. <laughs> Still, no, nothing more unnecessary than uh, Heady one in a dropping alert last year, fell off Jamie O'Hara, but also very relevant. So he's been on talk sport today. Um, I don't know if he's unhappy. He didn't get the call up for the manager's job or what, but um, he labeled Tottenham pathetic for the Carabao Cup final performance. He said the timing of Jose Mourinho's sacking was also pathetic. And he's actually pinned this all on Hoyman's son. who he said, bottled it when it really mattered. Uh, two shots in a cup final, he said. It's pathetic. A pathetic performance. Man City were way better. We were miles off it. Spurs have become pretenders. We think we're a big club. We act like we're a big club, but we ain't a big club. The problem is you've got too many players out there who think they're great players, but they're not. It was such a bad performance for so many players who classed themselves as good ones. Son, he gave the ball away every time he got it. He didn't fancy going at Carl Walker 1v1. He absolutely bottled it. You can't blame Ryan Mason because he's only been there a week. Who sacks Jose Mourinho? He's a man that wins titles and finals. Only Spurs would sack him. Who wants to take over this squad? The best player in Kane's going to leave in the summer. So you've got a basic squad who don't produce in big games. We are rubbish. So he held back quite a bit there. Held back? Yeah. (laughs) Took it on the chin. Um, I mean, he, he was criticising uh, Ryan Mason's style of management on Twitter yesterday, which <laughs> seemed a bit harsh. <laughs> but, but there we go. I mean, second game in charge, um, and he is against Pep. 
I don't know if I read the, the stat correctly yesterday that Jose Mourinho is the only manager to ever beat Pep in a cup final. That is correct. It's the only final that Pep's ever lost and it was the Spanish Super Cup. Crikey me. It does, yeah. does look a good yeah. shout. So, so they flashed that stat just before the start of the match and I saw that <laughs> and it was the, and Ryan Mason's record up to it. That match. was so unnecessary. That was brutal, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> um, so... A game dominated by City from first to last. Um, I know we always do say trust the eye test, and the eye test does back up the stats in this case. Um, <laughs> expected goals, 3.63 for City. The Tottenham's 0.06. Um, <laughs> the only surprise here, I yeah, guess, is that it took to the 82nd minute for them to get the winner. Um, it's now a sixth straight loss at Wembley for Spurs in neutral games. Gary Neville said... City have got the greatest manager they really have. He's built a new team inside 12 months. We can get into that later. Um, they're so dominant and their football is wonderful. So now since the turn of the century, Spurs have ended as runner-up in five of their six finals across all competitions, failing to score in their last four finals, three League Cups and a Champions League. Um, if there's any stat that you may take from Solis in Alex, uh, the only team that have lost more League Cup finals than Spurs is Arsenal. I'm not <laughs> sure how much that's making you feel better, though. Um, yeah, a lot of comfort coming around today, to be honest. Now I know it was I know it was Man City, but you see the team sheet. You see Harry Kane starting. Um, Jose last week. It's easy to say now, but you and Sean were quite chipper that Jose was out. I don't know if maybe. We were no, too far I, away from the League Cup to get there. So I was going to ask, how confident, if anything, were you feeling before the game? Because there must have been a part of you that was like, we can do this. So, yeah. I, I So confidence-wise, from a logical standpoint, I didn't think we had a chance. From a, we're in a cup final, it's football, anything can happen. There are some world-class players on the pitch well, world-class player on the pitch um, for us that could somehow pull up. A, like, we, we might just get lucky. Who's that? They're sitting back about Harry Kane. So, it, when I saw the team, I saw, and I saw him starting, I thought, if there's any, if there's going to be one man or, or human son, it was going to be do anything for us today. It was going to be one of those two, probably Kane. So, but logic logic would dictate that City were the clear favourites there and didn't that as we already mentioned didn't that hit home when the stat came up about Pep Guardiola's final record as well uh, and just his general win record as well but uh, so yeah so if we say half an hour in I think they've hit the post they've missed a hatful of chances that on most of the days would fly into the back of the net TK was there a point where you was starting to feel as as I did uh, that when it's not your day, it's not your day, and Spurs were going to go straight down the other end. Most definitely, yeah, yeah. When you keep missing those chances, you, you definitely do. Um, I mean, having watched Liverpool and Newcastle the day before, that was exactly <laughs> what happened there. Realised the two different counts of fish at the minute, but it was definitely in my head. Um, Jack, I'm did you uh, did you watch the game? Yeah, but as a fan, AJ, you don't. Sorry. As the fan of the team is getting, uh, you don't think it, but to the neutral viewer. Mm. Also, actually, Jack, I'll ask you a different question. Um, me, myself, there were a few things worse I could think of than Spurs getting their hands on any kind of silverware. Yeah. 
were you particularly bothered if they won it or did not? Or not? It's funny because whenever a team that you really dislike or have a massive rivalry with, with plays City, usually when a team wins everything, you want them to lose. But it's almost like a free hit if City win because I don't know <laughs> any City fans. No. <laughs> I don't know. I know one City fan. He was a Man United fan when he was a kid. Because <laughs> I got a picture of him in a Man United. Wow. That, that is um, this is like this is like Charmer going from uh, Liverpool to United, Alex going from United to Spurs. Which yeah. I don't know Absolutely. what you did in yeah. a past Absolutely. life, Alex. Yeah. To make that change. It's funny, myth. Alex in United kit. It's, it's not a myth, Alex. We your your mum showed us a picture of you in a United kit at your 18th birthday. It was a day. It was a shop that was bought for me as a kid that was had David Beckham on it. Hey, hey, look. If you see a picture of me as a kid in a football shirt, it'll be an Arsenal one. If you see one with TKL Jack, it'll be Liverpool and Chelsea. As kids, as kids, my favourite player, and literally back back when I was a kid, before I had a real concept of you know you know teams and all that kind of stuff, my favourite player and the guy I always looked up to was David Beckham, and my brother was Michael Owen. So I'm sure I can dig out a photo of my brother in a Liverpool shirt. We're not talking about your brother. When I joined church down at Sixth Form, in, we've, all been, we've all been kids dressed in, uh, like, we've all been dressed as kids once, and it wasn't my choice. <laughs> not in a different kit. I, I can tell you for sure, genuinely. When, when I first joined church down, one of the first things I was told about you, because I've told this when I heard your name previously, it was that someone claimed they were going to slip Viagra in your drink, and I didn't know you were. So this 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 completely separate. One of the first things I was told about you was that was that you were a Spurs fan that used to be a United fan. That's but and who said that? I was told by several people. Genuinely, hand on heart, that was one of the first things I was told about you. Not having it, myth. Not a good place to start either. It's a myth. I would judge you less. If you went from if you went from Spurs to United, what? Buy me. It it makes more sense going from going from United to Spurs. It's it's now I know you chose this life. (laughs) (laughs) You're speechless. I I can't get my head around it. Like every day, (laughs) you every time you lose a game. I would think I didn't have to be in this situation. <laughs> it's fine as long as United are as they are. It's when they, if they go back to how they were, it's going to be ruining the day. But even then, he'd have some positive... Actually, to be, to be fair, you've got the positive United memories. So it, I'll take it back. It's a free hit. <laughs> the best thing has been there were a number of uh, Americans that tried getting into sports over uh, the summer when some of their sports were over and we'd come back. And a number of them have just chosen Spurs where they've been told like that they're a team on the up, they've not won anything for a while, they're a good team to get behind now. They don't know what they're in for. And <laughs> you didn't have to be here, Alex. So, I mean, respect for sticking with it. At what point would you say you were at your peak of hope yesterday? Because as the game went on, you must have thought more and more there's a chance now. 
uh, I got to about uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a peak of hope. It was kind of more the start of we might actually make it to extra time, and then we might manage to hold them to a penalty shootout. Um, and that was around about seventy five minutes where somehow they still hadn't put the ball in the back of the net. And when you wrote these... in the chat at half time, you were trying the reverse jinx. No, I genuinely wasn't. Yeah, I no, so sure. in all honesty, in all honesty, ten minutes in, I put the spitball in chat on mute. <laughs> I'll do that for most of big ass games anyway. <laughs> Ten minutes in, I put it on. At least you, at least you admit you put it on mute this time. You haven't made up a situation at work like that, like the Liverpool game. I didn't exactly, I didn't exactly stay out of it, stay out of the chat. I did the same but I'll Liverpool game. Even Sean, even Sean got tilted by Keenan. <laughs> there was some tilting going on that day. <laughs> Firmino turned back to Firmino for a game. He just had a game of being back. Um, I know it. it's easy to say that it is only the Carabao. I don't know how you would have felt if, if you had won it. And that's that's not, I, don't, I genuinely don't know what you no, would I'm have not, kind no. of compared it to. So I'm wondering, after the game... Was it easy to just say it's just the Carabao or was it? Because we've lost Carabao Cup finals and it doesn't feel the same as losing an FA Cup final, for example. No, no, no. I I didn't feel like that. I was genuinely gutted because, you know, like I said, I would have any silverware at all. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because if we had won it, I would have been full on that train. So, but no, genuinely, genuinely gutted. Um, Yeah. Don't really know what more happened. Good, you don't get to you don't get to celebrate and enjoy it without having that. You've got it. You've got to have this, otherwise you can't yeah. get the celebration. And your yeah. honour, I submit the lost final to Birmingham City for Mr. Byron when he said he wasn't bothered. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that's, a, that's a long way away for me, but no, I I, I do fully agree. I guess it's it, the, the League Cup finals I was thinking of were. Um, was the one to City a, a couple of years back where it is different Mas- City, where Mustafi got nudged in the back. Oh, do, that was, do, do you know what? Do you know what I was quite... to be fair, Yeah, I was annoyed after the you Chelsea one, but the Abbey booting the racism out of John <laughs> Terry's soul did genuinely make that a bit better. And I watched that in, and you've heard Troy reference it on here, the Queen Vic pub and some of the shenanigans in there. I actually watched that in there, and it was as unpleasant as you can imagine. <laughs> Some forty-year-old bloke stick it on me because I was in an Arsenal shirt, and then tell him he was joking. After didn't know what to think. <laughs> do you know? Um, do you know what I was thankful for though? And it kind of was in line with something that's already been said. Um, I'm glad it. If I was to pick a team to lose against, City probably would have been right at the top of the list because yeah, if it was against any, if it was against. Chelsea, Arsenal, United, Liverpool. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I'm. I'm just like like we said. City is a free hit. Even if it wasn't any of the big six teams, even if it was any of the lower ones, the banter would have been even worse because it's like you a team which you should have beaten. You know, at least I can turn around and go. Well, look, am I am I overly surprised going into the match that Man City played us off the park and won comfortably, even though the scoreline wouldn't suggest it. You know. Well, it's, that was the one thing I was thankful for, that it wasn't anybody else. I said before, I'd rather us not make a cup final than play Spurs in the cup final. <laughs> I, I Even more so that you've not won the trophy in that time, because I don't want that drought being ended against us. 
And every time we're still in a competition, the Europa League this year, I was certain we were going to draw Spurs. <laughs> Just yeah. so happens uh, Spurs, Spurs did what they could to ensure that didn't happen, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Do you, can, I, can I sort of talk about the game? Like, tactically? Yeah, so I was going to say, there's a, a lot of big decisions, obviously. Son is, take, is taking the, the brunt of the stick, and I don't know if you think that's fair or not. No, I, I don't think it is fair. I thought the front three were quite stranded the entire game. I do kind of understand that Sun necessarily wasn't running at the the City defenders at all. But yes, particularly Kyle Walker. But I don't think I don't think the way the team was going about the match, that kind of drive, that kind of tactical ability for him, like nobody was making any decisive runs. I mean, we were standing off. We were standing off their attack. We were standing off their forwards from a defensive standpoint. We were also kind of standing off them and pushing. We 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 take the ball out wide, too far at the pitch. Our wing backs were too too narrow at the back. It just it just made no sense at all the way we were playing. Kane was completely completely stranded. There was just yeah. The only I don't think it's fair that the players that I blame more. Uh, Lo Celso was absolutely Oof. dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Like not, not. I know he had that shot at the end, but yeah. I'm sorry. I, there were too many occasions of where a basic pass was just like he literally booted out of the play, at the City player's feet on too many occasions. Just when there was a little bit of a little bit of connective play, a little bit of build up, he'd just get the ball and knock it at the City's player's feet. He failed to hit the ball out of the corner, for Christ's sake. He hit the first man on the corner, which is the does you nutting at a professional level. Talk to, talk to me like Reggion. Yeah, he, well, he lost his head very quickly and was trying to overcompensate the rest of the match. I mean, that tackle, um, I can't even, it was it, I can't remember who it was on now. Uh, Mares, was it Mares? Yeah, it was on Mares, yeah. That tackle on Mares, yeah, it wasn't very good at all. And his, his head looked like it was gone. Pretty early on, he had nobody. That pass from Hoybier was horrific. Yeah, and, I... yeah. and the and the and the one shot. I mean, look, what the thing is as well that chance that Hoyberg had, where he he could have well slotted it a bit better out to the left, or just had a go at the keeper. I, I, the commentators were saying, "Oh, there's one player that you don't want it to fall it to on the Spurs team." I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's still a professional football player, for Christ's sake. He can put the ball in the general direction of the goal or the other player on the pitch rather than pass it off the pitch, for Christ's sake. It was literally, it was like there was Lo Celso, there was a few moments like that with Lo Celso being the epicentre of it. It was like a bunch of kids who were choking. Like, uh, like it was literally a bunch of kids. Never forget a, that Lo Celso fee. Never forget it. Yeah, I know. I, I know. But yeah, from a tactical standpoint, we were standing off there. We were allowing City to do the work, connect, build the passing up around the box. I am baffled at how they didn't manage to score from open play. I, I am absolutely baffled. I'll, I'll, I'll give credit to the defenders that they managed to put in some magnificent blocks. Um, but, uh, you know, the way that the team was set up, it was a team that was trying to transition away from how Mourinho had set them up to try and transit towards more of trying to be more open and attacking, but not achieving either of them. 
it was we played very, more long balls percentage-wise yesterday than the average Burnley side plays in a game yeah, they just brought yeah, up on exactly. Monday Night Football. Kane, Kane wasn't dropping back in. Kane wasn't dropping back in like he has been. I don't been. think he was fit. No, no, he wasn't. And it's maybe why you can understand why he wasn't trying to cover as much ground. But he was Champions League back. final. He was completely stranded. But as ridiculous as it sounds, Mourinho's got these players drill. Try like he's tried to drill these players in a certain way all season. Two games in, you're not going to be able to transition in a different way. I genuinely think all that we had in our locker yesterday was very similar to that North London derby a little while ago. too cool. When, 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 when Mourinho was in charge, and it was literally hope that you survive, hope that you survive City, and hope that you get a lucky chance, because that's all we had in our locker. There was no, there was no connective build-up between the players whatsoever. The, we were too narrow. I, I just, there was, literally, it was absolutely nothing. There was nothing that in the game today, yesterday, that suggested that I thought that we had a chance of winning the game, apart the players, from somehow pulling off a penalty shootout. Your players should have just barked at Carl Walker or running at him, give him some PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> if they listened to the pod, they would know that would have got under his skin. Um how how much tactical decision as well? Just a quickie on the tactical decision. I thought Lucas Moura was probably the brightest spark on the pitch, even though it was frequent and inconsistent, like not frequent and only the odd little flutter. But he was the one. He was subbed off for um, Bale. Yeah, that was a terrible decision because you know track record rise as well. If you want one player that like, because Kane wasn't offering anything, and like we said, Son wasn't having one of his games. <laughs> Are you going to say track record, the person who won the cup final is Lucas Moore over Gareth Bale? <laughs> no, no, track record in a Spurs shirt as a player who's going to run at the City, def- run at the city defenders and yeah. try and make something happen, it's Lucas Moura, because Bale hasn't done that all season. Yeah, yeah, you trust him. You don't take Son off, though, because Son is literally a one-chance, one-goal player. Bale in a Real Madrid shirt in a cup final, yeah, every day of the week. But but Lucas Moura in a Spurs shirt for his he's so, not had many at Spurs to prove himself. Jack, what, I was going to go to you. We've not heard from you as much as uh, we usually would. Um, yeah, let, get, get how on. much how much can you attribute to Ryan Mason? Because on the one hand, they brought him in because they feel he can do a better job than Jose in this situation. What, if no, if done, we take speculation out of it. What, what they've no, done. They haven't. They haven't. They haven't. That's not why they brought him in. What they've done here is they've seen... But there's rumours going around, obviously, that he gets a different payout whatever league position he's in outside top But the league position wasn't changing. No. There wasn't another what, game. What, oh, there was another game. Sorry, what, my what, mistake. My mistake. What I want to make is that Sacking Mourinho after he wins the trophy for you, the first trophy in 60-odd years, is a lot harder. <laughs> 60 years? How long have you Oh, shit, yeah, he won the 2007 league, Jonathan Woodgate, because we did our uh, World Cup that. squads back in the day, club-wise. Jonathan Woodgate didn't make Alex's. Never forget that, do we, TK? Conveniently forgot yeah. that. Don't even know who it was against. Um... But yeah, I think it becomes a completely diff- different proposition in sacking him before the cup final, which what they've done is they've cost, the owners have cost Spurs the, an actual chance of winning a trophy there versus 
well, in the outcome being, it's easier to get rid of him. They wanted to get rid of him, and they didn't want to have a trophy on in, in his cabinet to use against well, him. I guess even That's still, not, then, how much blame can you put on Ryan Mason not, in his not, second game? Not, not. He's, had, he's had the team for a week. He's, what, 29 years old. His main coaching has been with the Tottenham development team, is that right? The reserves? Yeah, he's, and he's come up to the first team this year. Yeah, you can't really put any blame on him, right? Especially when you're playing the best team in the, in the country, essentially, and arguably one of the best managers ever to have lived. Not really something... You, they would have stood a much better chance if they just kept Mourinho for this one game. Chances are they wouldn't lose it anyway, so they'll just sack him after that. But, yeah. Is that, can't, can't really I don't know. The way City were, were finishing, I think Jose sat at home. Actually, Chike, Chike if, we, if we go to you or go back to you, Jack. When um, Jose sat at home watching the game, who do you think he's cheering for on Sunday? <laughs> Genuinely, because you'd imagine he, he likes some of these Spurs players, regardless of whether they cost him a job. He's built a relationship with some of these players over 18 months. And he, he, he spoke very highly of Spurs as a club. Who do you think he was cheering for when he sat down, feet up on the sofa on Sunday? Uh... I don't think he was upset the City won't put it that way. Um, <laughs> Even with Pep in charge. The thing, the thing with it is, if they had won it, he would have just spun it that it was his team and he's counting it as his own trophy. Yeah. So, and he would have definitely saw that to himself as that anyway. So he, he couldn't really lose watching it at home. But I, I think <laughs> if he was tossing a coin, he'd be hoping for it to come down on City's side. So he was happy, I think. They started talking in the middle of the game as to whether Jose should get a medal. I thought, let's stop getting a bit ahead of ourselves here, boys. <laughs> so, moving forward, we know that City winning does open up seventh place, but we'll get we'll we'll get to kind of the European positions as as the season goes on. We've got a lot more to come. Spurs, you'd imagine. I'm not sure how much depended on uh, Sunday's game as to whether Ryan Mason's the man to take them forward. You'd imagine they, they'll want to keep him involved, but they're not looking at him as a viable option. Who who are we really seeing at the moment as being a possible guy for Spurs to take over? I think Nagelsmann has been the dream for just about anyone that sacks their manager. I don't think they ever really thought they were going to get him. Um, I've seen Brendan's name floated about a lot. As much as Spurs, on paper-wise, are a bigger team than Leicester, I'm not sure he's going there. Who who can we really see taking over? Do you think they'll go back to like the Dibba Poch and take someone from a Leicester side in the Premier League? Or do you think they are going to take someone uh, from another league in Europe? I think Southampton are very lucky that they've had such relegation form for like, the last four months. Otherwise, yeah. Hasanito could have been off. I was saying in December, wasn't I, that if yeah, Arteta had gone then... He does seem to have been forgotten a little bit, doesn't he? If I had that little slump. I, if I had to put money on today, I actually think that would be who it is. Yeah? I think it's the right... Only because there's no real viable name. out. There's no name that jumps off the page. I, but... the only, I wondered yeah, if they the might only... go for Graham Potter. I did wonder. Yeah. The only big name I think that it I fits very well of... as well. Mm. The only big name that I can think of that I think is actually achievable that would make Daniel Levy's eyes like brighten is Allegri because he seems to be banded around for every job and just never gets any work in at the moment. 
He's, so, he, hasn't he just gone? He's, he's just gone somewhere, hasn't he? Oh, don't say that. Don't, don't put everyone Didn't he go to... We spoke about this, I'm sure. Unless Did the they? pen didn't go to paper. I'm sure he was meant to be going to like CSKA or something like that. But no, um, it appears I... he is still... No, he's not managing anyone. No. no the so... fact he's been out so long <laughs> and he claimed it was because he's waiting for the right project... I'm not sure Spurs is is that project. When you look at some of the jobs he's not throwing his hat in for, PSG, Madrid, Barca in that time. It's one of those, not... though, isn't it? If the longer you sit out waiting for this right thing, the less likely you are to get the right thing. So you have to take what ends up coming to you. I'm not even sure that's a match. It's called the uh, it's called the curvishly in the in the trade. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a great match either, I think, him and Spurs. So, we're saying if we kind of had to... Uh... Maybe they'll go for Scott Parker. Fuck you, mate. I saw someone say it and I thought, you know what? They might do it. <laughs> so, I don't know if you uh, read the chat earlier, Jack. There was a mention of Sari going to uh, Spurs. And I did say that the one thing they'd have to put up with, much like I do with William, is uh, <laughs> every time he makes a mistake, you would be saying, you see, this is what I'd put up with. But do you see Sari <laughs> you being a viable fit that's, for that's Spurs? Exactly can, you, can you see him going there? Uh, They're a similar stature to your Napoli in example, yeah, aren't they? I suppose you could, because you'll be good at a team where there's not a lot of expectation any small winners win. And at Chelsea, that doesn't fly. It's like it's all or nothing. Whereas at Spurs, you are given a bit more time. Um, yeah, I guess I could see it happening, I guess. What about you, uh, TK? Can you see Sari there? I'm trying to work out if that's a relationship from heaven or hell. Essentially, a, a manager who for the longest time was known as being quite good, but a bit trophy-averse to a club who was always known as being quite good, but a bit trophy of us. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work out if they're a good match or a truly horrendous match. It'd be fun to watch because it probably wouldn't go well. I'm not sure he'd be on the radar. I think they'll go for someone else. I can, I can see that one happening, but yeah, I do agree. There probably are ones that make more sense out there. I do think they should at least ask the question of Brendan Rodgers just to see if he could be tempted. The thing is, we know he can be tempted. He left Celtic in the middle of a 10 in a row season. Just to... Yeah, it's, it's just whether that looks a great decision now. I remember I slated it at the time, so that's my bad. But uh, it's just. Yeah, we approached him and he tricked him. We approached him and he signed a five year deal a week later. <laughs> it's just whether he thinks the sort of quote unquote project is better at Leicester than at Spurs, which. At the minute, you might say it is. Uh, do we do we think Levy is is prepared to abandon the win now because Jose clearly was the we want to win now. When he's picking the next manager, do you think he's going for win now or do you think he's going for project? I I think he has to go. I don't I don't think the team at the moment is capable of winning now. I think he's got to go for project. Coward. I don't think one you can do. You can kind of do an in between, but. 
yeah, that, yeah, it, uh, it that's, doesn't have to be yeah. a choice, does it? It's, yeah, yeah. Jose will have it, you believe you do, but it's not. Yeah, every in name I've seen though, is a defensive manager, which is what Spurs have been complaining about. If you look at most bookies lists, Nuno Santo from Wolves is near the, is probably top three on most lists. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> I think the idea of Wolves as a manager is is a lot nicer when you don't watch their games. I was going to say no. Is... <laughs> they must have just not watched Wolves at all this year. For example, it's been last. It's been last year, but without without less attacking as well. It's incredible. Yeah. They're a hideous watch. Spurs got any Portuguese players? Where's uh, Hoybier from? Is he Portuguese? No, oh, he's, he's Danish. Uh, no, he's Danish, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, I don't think I could have been the clincher. <laughs> we, we have... He brings them with him, it's fine. <laughs> before we go on to the USC Alex, so I'm sure Spurs aren't going to announce anyone in the next week, so we'll have more to talk about this. Is there anyone right now you'd, you'd like to stamp and say, I do not want them at this club? Do not want? Yeah. Anyone you want uh, to. If, if, you're, if, if, if Levy says to you, of the viable names, you can rule someone out now. I won't even consider him. Who are you saying? Um, I'll probably go... I'll probably go. I know it's going to sound a bit disrespectful, but part of it's just because I don't want the other. I don't want sloppy seconds of Chelsea uh, anymore. It's, you could uh, do worse than that. Benitez or Sarri. I don't want either of them there. Rafa, just, it, it's, it's wow. Rafa. Rafa would bless your bum life. Jesus. I don't. I don't. I don't know what it is. Well, Sarri. Oh, I just two sloppy seconds is different. He's first. He's look. I, Sarri. I just don't see it at all. I don't see. Can he? Can he speak English? Yeah. Oh, that's a respect. <laughs> oh, no, my no. God. I don't, I, language, language. He's he, pretty he, well. He speaks it in an allegory, I'll tell you that. Because like, yeah. when, he, when he took over the Chelsea job, he had to. Take, he was taking English lessons, wasn't he? No, he was fluent. It's just he took his first press conference in Italian because he didn't... He no, made right. Home right. My, 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 the English oh, lesson you were thinking of was don't chew cigarettes on the sideline. That was the lesson. Yeah. yeah. The, the thing I, I just, Alex I might don't, have to realise here is if, if, if you're Leo... You, you can turn down a Playboy model or two. If you're Spurs, <laughs> a, a five or six <laughs> gives you a wink, you better be chasing them down. <laughs> but, look, I, I suppose the Benit, to say Benitez was a bit harsh, but I don't want... Sarri is the one that I don't want at all. As for, like, I'd say the one that I'd want the most, I know oh, wow. you didn't ask, but the one that I'd want the most right now is obviously Brendan, um, just because I've... I've Think that choke that could also be dangerous as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it could be, it could be, but there's something. More, I, I, suppose, <laughs> just, I, I just I find Brendan that little bit more endearing. I guess I just maybe. <laughs> I like well, him should have been your more. man in that case. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, no, I didn't. Any, but I think a lot of it, it it's going to be really interesting to see what happens obviously between now and the end of the season, but obviously there's a lot of talk on what's going to happen with Kane. I, so I, I, He's I'm getting talking, him the hell out of there. <laughs> I, I, spoke, I spoke to Sean um, earlier today, just sort of, I said to him, like, what, 
what do you think we need to do? Like what, what like genuinely, you know, what, where do we go from here? Because I don't see, I don't see, I don't see what happens. Like who do you get rid of? He just said it needs to be a complete rebuild. Um, <laughs> but like, obviously, obviously when I say complete rebuild, I'm not talking about gut the entire squad, obviously get rid of some dead wood. Um, but he, with, I asked him specifically, what do you think is going to happen with Kane? And I, I don't, and I don't disagree with his answer. I don't think he ends up going anywhere um, because nobody, not because he doesn't want to leave, but because nobody comes in for him. I don't see, I, I don't see, I don't, Barcelona and Real Madrid aren't going to come in. Barcelona and Real Madrid aren't going to come in. They're, they're no, I throw that in. Oh, right. Real Madrid and Barcelona are apparently in the worst debt position they've ever been in, which is obviously why they're pushing for the Super League so much. City, he made sure made a good points. He thinks that City Guardiola wants to play without a striker. He wants to. He seems to be going in that direction. But I don't. I think Pep and City look at the financial system situation across the board at the moment. They look at Kane. They know he's an injury risk. You're just seeing off Aguero, who was an injury. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, 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 fear, I fear him going to United more than I do you City. You, could, you said he wasn't going anywhere in the Premier League, I, I, Alex. I, I, he's, not, he's, not, he's not going anywhere because United's situation is, look, they've got Edison Cavani. I think he'll stay there for at least another... Cavani will be Man United's main man for at least another season. I just I don't see him going anywhere in this window, not because he doesn't want to, just because nobody's going to come into him because they can't afford him or they just won't want to... They'll, they'll look at him as a. They'll look at him as an entity. Yes, he is in his prime. Yes, he is the best striker in 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 the Premier League going off this season. Oh. But he is at risk, and if well, he I, gets flash that cash uh, in, he gets injured, and you lose him for half the season. Right, I've had to mute him. I can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So I, I wow! <laughs> you bully. I see him going to United and starting a, a merry-go-round of strikers moving around with Haaland and Mbappe being out of contract. I don't know how I comfortable think... I feel about this. <laughs> Is he up you? <laughs> I don't know how to unmute him either. No, nor do I. He's got to unmute himself. <laughs> Jesus. Alex, I had nothing to do with that. I just want you to know. No, it's all Luke. I can't believe you've done it that. It came up on the screen saying Jack Harper <laughs> muted Alex Jones. <laughs> I wanted to press it to see if it would work, and it does. Um, Alex, have you tried unmuting yourself? Maybe he doesn't want to after that. He just launched his phone. <laughs> this merry-go-round. Yeah, so I, I'm going to see it is then big striker moves. You've got Lukaku, you've got Kane, you've got Haaland, all going to different places. I'm picturing Alex in his room just stopping talking. Literally muted. It's, it's, if he talks over us as well, he doesn't realise that we're talking, so maybe he's doing that at the moment. He's doing a whole podcast there. <laughs> This is how long we would have had to have waited, I reckon. Alright, before we get to the UFC, let me just... Yeah. <laughs> have I unmuted Alex? He's actually not letting me unmute him. <laughs> Come on, unmute him, Luke. Alright, Sean, are you with us? <laughs> I am, I am. 
Something <laughs> big's just carnage. happened here. I mean, <laughs> Alex has just been on one and Jack's just forcefully muted him himself. Alex can't get off mute. Um, <laughs> um, he's oh been God. saying about a conversation you two have had and, bef- and before that, he said he didn't want anything near Chelsea's sloppy seconds and doesn't want anything near Rafa or Sarri. <laughs> right, okay. I mean, Rafa, I'm not. I'm probably with him on Rafa. Sorry, I'm pretty open to. It's who do you know is about Rafa? Yeah, I don't want Rafa. Oh, Jesus. The disrespect. <laughs> Alex is genuinely still on mute. I've just gone there to see if I can unmute him. I can't, so I can't. No, I've tried as well. I don't know if he's protesting now. <laughs> oh, not. no. I literally added to show. Oh, no, I'm just moving. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? No, I just kicked him. I just kicked him. <laughs> the disrespect continues. What was, what was happening then? Why was uh, why did Jack just, eat him? Alex was just giving an answer. Jack was having nothing to eat. <laughs> I, I want to say <laughs> Alex, are you with us? I'm here. Here he is. <laughs> Alex, what have you got to say to Jack? Because that, in terms of big thing, big moments for the pod, that's that's quite huge that he's done. Unprecedented. That. That is... I thought it'd be like a two-second thing. I thought I'd be able to unmute him like straight away. Don't really know what to say. <laughs> he's not a happy boy. <laughs> he is. Well, I mean, Alex, I don't know if you realise we we have got Sean in here now as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I know. <laughs> but literally, was just asking him uh, his thoughts on Rafa and Sari. But um, I will say on on, on that bombshell, do you want to tell us your your transfer merry-go-round, or did I just miss it laughing? Just no, before we get to the US, I, I just thought if one goes, they're all going to go. Because you've got so many strikers looking for moves, potentially Mbappe with no signed contract, Haaland obviously. Then you have Kane, you've got Lukaku that could be also be on the move. And if one team buys a big striker, you you can just see another couple but going in big for those players. I think Kane All could right. be I think Cavani aging, not obviously only being on well about a one year contract. Perfect fit, I reckon. This oh, came well. to United. Why is he going to United? Because they're the only ones. He doesn't want to stay on Bummy Spurs. <laughs> I agree with that. United ain't winning anything. Well, they might do if they have Kane. No chance. They're doing niche. They are doing niche. We've already broken down Alex's uh, transition from United to Spurs on this episode, so you've got that to look forward to. He did try claiming everyone has pictures of themselves in different club kits. Not sure about that one. (laughs) But Kane's a a PSG for me. Kane's a PSG. Sean, uh, you get to watch him Back to the Future, which none of us can believe you've never seen before. Um, me and TK have got some UFC to talk about, and uh, Alex, I think I'd be driving to Jack's if I was you. <laughs> Add it out with him. Straightener. Good pod, that chaps. Good pod. <laughs> yeah, wow. all right. See you boys later. Adios. <laughs> See you later. Sarah. There we go. And then there was two. Uh, is actually, just two, or is it? Yeah, no, it is, it is actually just two. There Pure carnage for a second, which 
once once the gloves were off, I thought we may as well just add Sean into this mix and, <laughs> and see what goes on. <laughs> I, lo- I love listening to other pods where someone just gets added in randomly to defend something they've said or something <laughs> along those lines. <laughs> but anyway, the biggest sporting action of the weekend, really, UFC 261. Um, first event back in America with a full house of fans, 15,000 in attendance. Disclaimer on the tickets saying, if you die, don't sue us. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to risk death for a UFC pay-per-view, this wasn't a bad one to be in attendance for. It could show, wasn't it? If we go right from the bottom of the card to the top, I don't know what point you tuned in, because I know you don't have UFC Fight Pass, but literally we started with... Um, Ariane Carnalosi against uh, Naliang. And I was a bit curious because to start with two women's flyweights, uh, strawweights actually, uh, for your first event back with fans, I thought you'd perhaps pick a bigger fight that doesn't necessarily deserve being the first fight of the night, but to kick things off with a bang. It just so happens first punch of the night is a knockdown and we get a barn burner between these two women who aren't particularly known for having knockout power and that really set the tone of the event and went from there. Yeah, I did. Uh, I wasn't tuning straight away, but I did see straight away on the timeline, people were like, Jesus, what a start to the night. <laughs> well, Which is about right when I'm not watching. From there, we went to uh, Jeff Molina against uh, Kalen Aori and this was the second uh, kind of Chinese prospect of the night, I mean, I don't want to make it out to be this simple, but it seemed like the UFC almost thought, we're flying Wei Li over here, we may as well fill a plane up. Because for about the first <laughs> six fights of the night, we had a highly touted Chinese prospect. In, in this case, he starts off well, Iori, um, and it starts off literally just throwing throwing hands between them. And then in the second round, it kind of explodes. And Jeff Molina is one of these guys who looks, doesn't look like, if you saw him in the street, you wouldn't think he's a fighter. If you hear him talk, you wouldn't think he's a fighter. But one of those guys who just has that kind of effortless swag when they start going. And it just flows. And... He had that confidence coming through him. You could see his confidence was picking up. And he was just putting a beat down on Aori for the last two rounds of the fight after losing the first round. And then with 10 seconds to go in the, in the third round, he gets clipped himself. And we have even more carnage because his coaches had to come in and essentially hold him up at the end of the fight so the judges don't see him drop to the mat. <laughs> He gets he gets the decision, um, really makes the most of the opportunity. It was cool seeing the interviews back in the octagon. He gave it the thing which now seems to be tradition where they say, like, I can't believe I'm talking to Joe Rogan. It's like, come on, you've just fought your heart out of here. You don't need to be giving it to this guy. Joe must feel embarrassed with that. He must be yeah, like, he oh, does look at each time. Yeah. Uh, although it goes from that to Creed. When, when they have like two fights... Like and they ask like, when are you going to get me on your podcast? Probably yeah. never. You're not yeah. a very interesting person. <laughs> and he's got to go. Yeah, yeah, you'll be on this. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Any time usually, but this fight kind of set things off. And then we went into uh, 
Rodrigo Vargas against uh, Rong Zhu or, or Zhu Rong. It's a bit like Wei Li. You're not sure which way around it's supposed to be. But it wasn't quite the same as the first two fights of the night, but it was another highly touted Chinese prospect. This is probably the highest of the lot. He suffered a defeat, 22 years old, and he had 20 fights already. He came up in that Canelo system, it looks like, where you're getting put in scraps at like 14 years old. Which sounds better when you get to 20 and you've got that career, but probably at the time when you're being shoved in fights, it's not so nice. But he was supposed to be the next big superstar. Didn't really look like he knew what to do when someone hit him back. Um, so we got there. And one of the highlights of the night, we had um, Denar Batgarel and hearing Bruce Buffer yell, the Mongolian murderer, was quite something because he looked like he'd never had so much fun pronouncing a name before. <laughs> That's he added it, he gave murderer as he was doing it. So he really got into it. Um, then kind of our first stinker of the night, Sabatini against Connolly. Um, Ball fest, really. Brendan Allen gets things going again as he defeats Carl Robertson with a heel hook. Any time you submit someone with something that looks like it really shouldn't do any damage to you is one of my favourite things. And they say with these uh, like ankle or heel or knee submissions, you don't feel any pain until you do. And by then it's too late and you're probably not going to be walking again for another month or so. And he probably tore just about every ligament in his knee as that heel hook went in. And you saw him try and stand up and the pain kicked in. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, so that that's why Cub Swanson didn't fight for ages. He got a big win against Crone um, Gracie. A week later, he was in a submission tournament, got, got heel hooked and blew his knee out. And oh, he's actually only back on Saturday. Actually, he's been back once since. Um Dwight Grant against Sekulich. The less said about that, the better. Dreadful fight. Grant's a guy who looks like he kind of has all the tools, but didn't want to throw hands. And then Sekulich was good, but nobody had bet on him, so it wasn't very interesting to see him do the work. And then uh, Dwight Grant really did get a robbery. And then the top of the prelims, Randy Brown, one-arm chokes. Brazilian cowboy, which was really impressive, and then ruins it by asking everyone to go to his Twitch. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what he was thinking there. Not, no yeah, one's going how many to people, your Twitch. Yeah, how many people are <laughs> going to go over to your Twitch right now? Because he, well, yeah, he got up and he was giving him fingers after. And being consistent on here, I think, I think we both have. As we say, if there is beef between you, you don't need to have it settled after fighting. You can, if you really want to, you can be consistent and give it to him afterwards. And he did do that, stood over him, gave him the Steve Austin double bird. <laughs> and then he was like, what's the beef? And he's like, well, go to my Twitch and I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, no, we want to know what the beef is. Tell us yeah. now. And biggest pay-per-view of the year so far from kind of, uh, I don't know, probably not on from the, the moment point of view, and they were saying, like, this this is our kind of marquee pay-per-view, McGregor aside, you can have a chance there to put your name out there. You say something like, let me talk trash to me before, 
how much trash you're talking now, anything like that, particularly with that crowd, the way it was, you'd have yeah, gone yeah, way up. Mm. Um, we, we then get into perhaps the most mental main card since the triple header, which also had the Thug Rose moment built where she beat Ioanni, had Cody against uh, TJ in there and Bisping against GSP. I don't remember a main card being as crazy as this, particularly with the names that are there. It's not like it was just freakish fights with guys who you couldn't point out in a crowd. Well, These do were happen, big names. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we, we start off Anthony Smith against Jimmy Crutes. And I was a bit surprised when I was seeing people pick Anthony Smith beforehand because I thought everything added up to this being the Jimmy Crute coming out party. He's a beast, 25 years yeah. old, can yeah. do everything. Um, and he, he, he's not afraid to scrap. And one thing about Anthony Smith is, if he's going to go down, he, he is going to go down scrapping. So I thought we'd be in for a good one and Jimmy Crute would come out. He starts peppering Anthony Smith's legs and one comes back and it just shows how these things go. His whole leg just goes dead. That was incredible to see, wasn't it? Just when you see like the the effects, obviously the nerve damage has. Yeah. Because it was like almost uh, we come on to obviously a, a far more yeah. serious injury, but it was like almost like there had been a break. Or something, how I was actually his whole ankle was. I was cringing at this one more than the Weidman one. And, <laughs> and it, I say what well, the Weidman one. You knew what you knew what happened straight away, mm. like in your that's broken kind of thing. This one, when you were seeing it buckle when he was standing on it, oh, that was what was getting me because crazy, there, there was when he tried walking back, and that is one of the most painful things where you just jar your ankle and you kind of go over on it. Yeah, you know, seeing yeah. him do that because it was so tense when he was walking normally, and then it would just slip. <laughs> oh, no, oh, so horrible seeing that, but. Great fight for what it was. It, it's it's cool seeing someone want to go out on their shield, even when it's not well advised. For those that are best on Anthony Smith, they must have been kicking themselves when he got that takedown off one leg. Um, but he tries bluffing the uh, doctor, saying he's fine. And that only works if you don't then trip over while trying yeah. to sh- yes. show how macho you are. <laughs> I mean, you know, it should probably be, for his own sake, probably grateful he did stumble because yeah. they were very close to letting him go on, I think. And in which case, he obviously well, would have got, you know, KO. There's, there's, one, there's one which I think I've mentioned on here before when he first came over to the UFC. So the same thing happened to Michael Chandler before. Yeah. And yeah. he goes to sit on his stool. He gets to the end of the round. He goes to sit on the stool. And for some reason, one of the corner men pulls the stool away to move it. And so as he goes to sit down, he obviously crumbles to the floor. And they rule him out for that reason, because they say, well, look, if you can't even stand up properly, you can't carry on fighting despite the fact he tried lowering himself onto his stool and the cornerman had just pulled it away. So sometimes it comes back like happened with Cejudo against Demetrius, but sometimes, I mean, they didn't say by the end of the night whether the, the kind of feeling had come back in his leg. So I don't know how he must have been feeling, because he said the second he got touched, he couldn't feel anything on that leg anymore. That's mad. How do you not freak out in that instance? Yeah, yeah. How is that not the weirdest thing? I mean, 
if you sit on the toilet too long and you get up and you've got pins and needles in your leg, that's bad enough. <laughs> Alone not feeling your leg and having someone coming at you trying to punch your head off. Is it shame from the fight's point of view? Because it seemed to be it was going to be a case of which was going to give out first, him booting Anthony yeah. Smith's legs or Anthony Smith's jab, which just couldn't miss. Yeah, I know. I've, it's easier said than done about head movement, but I'm going to sound... Very stupid saying this, I'm sure. I don't understand how you can get hit in the face like that and not move your head. Like from from this from this side of me sat in my bed doing a podcast. <laughs> no, it it's... seems far more simple than it should be that move your head when someone keeps jabbing it. Yeah, it, I guess it's more. Um, it seems amplified when they sort of reach a certain level and then they get kind of get found out for lack of head movement. Well, obviously, yeah. how do they not get fun <laughs> prior to this? Because surely you'd have faced, you know, even in training with someone who jabs well, and you're thinking, oh, just sheer sort of, I don't like this constantly hitting me in the face. <laughs> I'm going to move a bit. Well, really the thing weird. with these Australians coming through is they all seem very well drilled. I know he doesn't um, fight out of the same gym as, uh, yeah, Volkanovski's and, yeah. yeah. But still, they do seem very well drilled when they come over here. I suppose you look at some of the others and maybe not so, but for a prospect like that, maybe it was just an off night. And he said about how much he was invested in the fight. So. And it's different when you land your shot on someone and they don't go down. So maybe that's just what it was. As you referenced, we then go into Uriah Hall against Chris Weidman. And I can't say how gutted I am that I drift off for 10 minutes and I, and I wake up and I see Uriah Hall kind of on the floor, like praying. That was amazing. Really, well, I didn't really know what, what was going on. So I rewound. So I didn't know what had happened. So I did still, I just rewound to the start of the fight. So I didn't know what had happened. So I at least had that. It wasn't like I'd seen a picture, I then go and I see it. And I don't know how I could have prepared myself for what I was about to see. <laughs> Just insane. And I don't know how you feel about this. I quite like that the UFC was like, we've had this crazy, disgusting moment here. Let's milk it for all it's worth. Give you every <laughs> slow-mo you want to see. Not like football where it happens and they're like, we can't show you this. It's quite brutal. They were essentially like, if you want to look, we're going to show you. If you don't want to see it, look away now. Yeah, Rogan telling DC, no, come on, you've got to look. He's like, I'm not going to look. He's like, come on, look. <laughs> so good. I feel like it's your job. You need to be looking at this. <laughs> yeah, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Like, Classic. In every, in every office this morning, that exact conversation has happened. It happened. I was trying to show people in my office. You know, like, no, I must say that they're, they're not even fans of boxing. So seeing someone's leg get snapped, I knew what I was doing when I was trying to show this. Yeah, yeah. But even in like the laddiest of offices, you're going to get someone saying, I don't want to see that. And you try to come on, come on. If that one bloke <laughs> did look at it and he turned away, I was like, no, come on, he stands on it a second. That was, I've said at the time, but that was the worst when I went to stand on it. Actually, yeah. it was worse than the snap for me. Oh, well, it's because you don't realise at the time, yeah. do you? It happens so quick. Because That's most insane. people say, how did he not realise? So, not many people have snapped their leg in half before to know what that's like. 
and it is especially with that know, amount of adrenaline as well split second stuff really when you the, the replay yeah. slow it down but yeah, insane. insane. It does show what an art it is to checking kicks as well. That's not luck that that happened. I swear, there's some luck to it because mm. nine times out of well, one time about ninety nine times out of hundred, that's not going to happen quite like that. But yeah. that is your eye hole doing that. Like it's it's not a fluke. No, and, and like I said, even if he's not designed to break the leg, the whole point of checking a kick is to Maybe things that hurt, don't do it again. So, yeah. I would say, and people have been saying about how classy Uriah Hall was with this um, and several things like that. If you go back and watch when Chris Weidman did this against uh, Anderson Silva, he's doing laps of the ring <laughs> with his hands in the air celebrating. <laughs> Oh, wow. So for all this being said about how classy he is, I would point anyone to go back and watch that because it's the first thing I did, much like most people, where you say, what a crazy world we live in. And then that's happened three times in the UFC and two involved Chris Weidman. It is. But go back and watch it. And Anderson Silva, I thought, handled it better than I would have in that situation. <laughs> I did wonder if Izzy would say something as well, because Weidman's been talking a lot of smack this week. I'm the guy that beats him. I'm built to beat guys like him and Anderson Silva. It must be bad when even he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. That is surprising. That is a bit surprising. Because Robert Wick is like the nicest guy in the world and he finds a way to hate him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um Carrying on from there, then we had uh, Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica Andrade. Um, bad night for my two favourite women in the UFC. Back to back here. And we'll talk about this one first. So, Jessica Andrade, the, the, the female John Lineker, she was essentially made to look like a one dimensional midget. Like, I know she was coming up a weight class. But it, it was ridiculous. No, none more so than when she was in her usual position where she would pick her up and dump her. And she couldn't lift her up. It was like a kid grabbing like a grown-up's leg. No, it, it and was trying to push them along. <laughs> it was incredible seeing if, Like I said, I mean, you say one-dimensional, but even the one-dimension didn't work. She even yeah. had a beat in that, didn't she? It was... Yeah, I mean, I know you've said what you said about Shashenko before and stuff but it is insane seeing the discrepancy between her and the rest of them well, when when she does this I've really got no issues no that, I, I the agree. issue is when she's been going five rounds with them and when she kind of carries it's them. six o'clock in the morning and it's chief support yeah yeah Amanda think... Nunes when she's in sorry when she's in with girls who she should be she beats she them, cleans them up, and that's yeah. kind of my criticism it, it, it just makes a mockery because the UFC have created two divisions without having any real depth to go to, go into them. Yeah, I guess that's more on the UFC, isn't it, than, than the fighter, I guess. Um, we've got we've got Joanne Calderwood against Lauren Murphy next week, I believe, to see who will face Shevchenko next. And I saw Brett Okamoto sarcastically say, well, look, book... Joe, uh, but Valentina to face both of these on the same night like it's not worth just wasting her training camps to just face one of these anymore 
about that. No one's seriously picking Lauren Murphy, who I can't stand, by the way, or <laughs> Joanne Calderwood to beat Valentina. Like It feels like we could just tick those fights off already, say, just pay the two their money for a title fight and say, look, we don't, we don't need to do this. Yeah, it's true. Like you said, I think it's kind of incumbent upon Shevchenko to finish fights like this now. And then I think you'll still you'll still have her on a card and you'll be entertained because when you, someone is so excellent, you're quite happy to see them exhibit their skills yeah. in an entertaining fashion, isn't it? Like you said, if she is carrying us on five rounds, no one really needs to see that. Well, no, because we've seen, we've seen John Jones go five rounds with Owen St. Prue, and it was like, we know how good you are, we don't need to see this for five rounds. No, no, exactly that, exactly. But then we see John Jones later against DC, and it's like, okay, this is what you can do. This is more we, like it, yeah. We'll watch you every week. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably a fair comparison with, with Jones, where I think some of his fights are, you can say how good he is, but it is a fair criticism on him to say that, that this wasn't great to watch. It probably has played into him not being a bigger star than he is. Well, we're going to get on to Usman, and he was called boring, 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 and I mean, we're wow. going to talk about yeah. him in a minute. <laughs> um, with Valentina, though, it's quite sad that the only fight we can really see that makes sense for Nunes or Shevchenko is each other, and Nunes is already two up. Yeah. Second one, the scoring was could have gone either way. Um, I, I was, I was say, cheering Valentina, but I thought Nunes won on the card. Yeah, it, it was at least close enough that you could make the case um, that she could reverse it, couldn't you? So yeah, there there is that you. The problem is neither of them were obviously hugely exciting fights, but they're also both really high levels. So that's sometimes yeah. the price you pay, isn't it? At least it came down. It came down to the last round in the last one. Um, yeah, at least yeah, for scoring. So, so that's all we can really ask for. Hmm. Um, okay, so we then had Weili Zhang defending her belt against Rose Namajunas. I think for most people that was kind of the people's main event. Um, came out. Rose looked emotional coming out. I did wonder what was going on. And then Wei Li comes out. And as we anticipated last week, he's booed by the 15,000 people in attendance. <laughs> I've seen some simps saying, well, look, it happens in Brazil and nobody gets, um, nobody complains when they get beyond a Brazilian fighter. The issue here, Rose has spent the whole week saying she's Lithuanian, which was part of the discrepancy <laughs> there. Um, I think it had a lot more to do with her comments on Whaley being a communist and being uh, a uh, puppet for the Chinese forces and all of this nonsense she was saying because, and I quote, watch the documentary I did. And that was all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's seen the documentary. Okay, I'll take it back then. It's, saying it's ingrained in my family, in my family. Not the way Lee. He hasn't done any of this. Yeah, what the hell? As far as it goes, she seems like one of the nicest people that you can possibly like be around from what you see. Um, as far as performances go, though, it looked like Rose was one step ahead, like from the first, from the first bell. Yeah, she she's very good, isn't she? Whatever else we might think about her, she's very good. Yeah, and. It'd be interesting to see now because a lot of people have forget, forgotten that she actually said it was a relief when she lost the belt against Andrade. 
um, and was slammed on her head, which <laughs> people have forgotten quite through this week. I've seen people on Twitter saying uh, there's a bloke or or at because I don't really want to have any want to go to his profile, but he has been saying about how Whaley's a dud. Um, this is what happens when people hype up these guys who just uh, beat low to mid level competition very well. You can you compare Rose. And Whaley's uh, uh, resumes. The only real difference is Karolina Kovalkovic, who Whaley didn't get to fight. Like they both beat Joanna. One more conclusive, but the other one in the greatest fight in women's history. Hmm. Like I don't see. It, it looks like skill set wise for. Rose looked like she had her number. Basically, it looked like she she was set up perfectly in the time and beats power and all of this thing, which people weirdly used as a plus for McGregor against Floyd, which still baffles me. <laughs> but that is how it looks. But it's weird because Andrade looks. I know Rose snuck by in the last fight. It looks like if you were if you could create a fighter to beat Rose, then it would be someone like Andrade. So it's just very interesting at the top of this division. And that's all we can really ask for. It's been the best division for women in a while, and you've still got the likes of Tatiana Suarez to come back into it. So I think we're going to have Joanna, Wei Li, Rose, and uh, Tatiana kind of competing at the top of this division for a while basically until people are bored of them going against each other or another one like Andrade thinks it may be easier for me going up a division where you then have to face Shevchenko. (laughs) It's not like in boxing, is it, where you can say, well, I've got Golovkin and Canelo in this weight class, so I'll go up and beat someone a little easier or drop down and beat someone a little easier. You you go up and you've got Shevchenko and (laughs) you stay down and you've got Rose or in Shevchenko's position, you go down and you've got Rose, you go up and you've got Nunes. Yeah, it's, it's a funny one, isn't it? The, this division, you've got, you, know, the, you could pick them to beat each other on any given day. And you yeah. can do a series, they could beat each other, whereas the two divisions above is the total opposite. So, like you said, this is a, it's a great division for that. And hopefully, hopefully they can have these fights without it being yeah. like, oh, we need like a standout champion. I think it's fun like, time division where it's a bit chaotic. It looks like Joanna is going to get a title shot next against Rose, which doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, she hasn't won a fight since facing Wei Li, and I don't know how much we need to see Rose against Joanna again. But no, I'm not sure about that. I, I don't need them to rush a rematch of Wei Li. I do think there's more there. I'm happy to see her beat down someone else and then build it back up. But yeah, for sure. The, the head kick from Rose was incredibly impressive. You don't see that very often in WMA. It was just a bit much for me after. I've been quite vocal that I don't like Rose. Um, I don't like Pat Barry. And so the the commemorations and uh, the party going on in the Octagon after, with her crying and saying she's the best in all of this. The, the thing that 
the uh, the UFC commentators and America as a whole seem to have with Rose. He's real odd to me. I don't know. It just seems to be like another level. I know, I know what I think he's down to. I mean, I won't, I won't voice that in the, the no, way. No, that... no, but I just mean quite such the attachment. I, I just mean there's been fighters with you know other tragic stories. Yeah, well. I don't even think it's. I think it hasn't it's, quite. They essentially, they think she's like a cute little girl. Like, yeah, Joe. Seem to be whenever that, he talks yeah. about it, like in the um, fight past prelims, he was talking about it, and he was saying like. Uh, See, the thing with Rose, she didn't want people to see her as a pretty girl, so she shaved her head. And I mean, she's still a gorgeous woman, by the way. So what the hell are we even talking about here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would implore anyone, watch her on the Joe Rogan experience. She brings Pat Barry along with him, which is weird, because he's, he's sitting there like like he wouldn't let her go on her own. Every time Joe asks her a question, he like answers it for her a lot of the time, and then Joe keeps shooting him dirty looks while admitting <laughs> like he could kick his ass if he wanted to. But it's very strange if if you read into what uh, the interviews they've said from each other. She was about fourteen when they got together, and you can work out the age difference there. <laughs> Nah, yeah, that's a little odd, but... Big man Pat was closer to 30. <laughs> the story of how they got together is they were in the gym and Rose, as a 14-year-old, recognised him, walked up and punched him in the face and said, you're Pat Barry, you should have seen that coming. Jesus. And that's literally how it started. That's a nice story. And she used to just film herself on Instagram Live and things singing the song and then just punching him in the face to wake him up. It's a very odd. Yeah, I'll set up that. You have seen Embedded this week. He was just getting like roses painted on his toes and what's yeah, going I, on I was watching, I was watching going on? <laughs> well, there we go. And just when you thought things couldn't be topped, we go into Usman against Masvidal and we all commented, me, you and Rory, for a fight that I don't wouldn't say we thought it was a foregone conclusion, but we all were certainly pretty sure how it would go. I don't think it's disrespectful to say we were putting Masvidal in the puncher's chance kind of territory. But we still really felt is. like every strike meant something. I think it probably helped with um, the Usman's last fight with Burns as well. Where he did yeah. get shaken up a bit, maybe yeah. probably added to it as well for us. Absolutely, it definitely did. And Masvidal, regardless of, I mean, you particularly commented about how the UFC really pissed away the opportunity they had to promote a megastar there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does still have that aura around him. I'm not sure how much of that will remain. But he did have that aura around him going in, the build-up, everything about him. He, he He's a guy who you believe the words that leave his mouth. He, he's a cool guy. Mm. and him and Kamaru just seemed like great dance partners for each other yeah I mean he's been great for Usman hasn't he I know not just because he's beaten him but I just mean in terms of boosting his profile and like you said being being sort of to bounce off was great because Kamaru does make you sort of cringe a little bit with the stuff he comes out with but I think he's got better for that yeah he's he's much better and I was going to say in the build up to this and in the aftermath he's got some good lines in there 
it doesn't seem rehearsed so hard. No, yeah, it, it seems like he knows what he's doing. And yeah. I think part of that before was just that you had Askren in the mix. Askren puts all these guys on edge just because <laughs> he is an anomaly. Yeah, that is true. That is well, true. Askren just pops up calling him Marty. And he found that the most irritating thing in the world. But as we said last week, a girl like Askren, who knows there's nothing you can say to him to insult him. No, no, it is. So I don't envy anyone having to trash talk with him. The Jewsman obviously felt he had to do because he was campaigning for a title shot. Mm. Um, so we go into this. It starts off pretty lively. Usman looks like he wants a takedown, but couldn't really find the opportunity early. Masvidal kept threatening the knee through the middle and they were exchanging hands which as far as Masvidal goes he couldn't really have hoped for it to start any sweeter in that case um, Usman starts to touch him up a bit and Masvidal seems to find it hilarious every time he touches him mm. which doesn't age well Rory actually pointed out that if you rewatch Till against Masvidal Till laughs the first couple of times that Masvidal, touch, uh, that Masvidal touches him and we have the opposite scenario. Mm. Um, so he gets a takedown just right at the end of the first round, doesn't he? Yeah. Usman. yeah. Um, we go into the second round and we're still on the edge of our seats. And then, all, not out of nowhere, because he'd been setting it up, but he must have seen an opening or something because... He, he put his life and soul into the punch that goes through Usman, the way he slaps his hand away and just follows through. Like, that was 18 months of frustration taken out in one shot. It, it really was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, in all the different ways you've seen this fight going, I wouldn't have picked that out no. of one of them. I, I didn't have it. Um even punch we, like he looks like he should punch. <laughs> you we joked it, before, be... didn't we, saying that it would it 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 would be cool to see Usman lay him out because we just couldn't really no. see Masvidal flat out like that. It's never happened before. No, I, I was about to say I couldn't see it in my mind's eye of him laid out against anyone, but certainly not against Usman. I didn't see it. That that was that punch was a bit like. Um, Frotch Groves, as much as I hate to bring it up, where it was like, there, there's not anyone in the world that's taken that shot and that isn't happening to them. Like, you can have the best chin in the world. You're going, that, yeah. That's still happening. Like, that's what you call punching through the target. Yeah, it struck me as the same. In terms of, like you said, the punch through the target and the way you got him squared on, where it was just jaws hanging out here, taking out, son. Which, as I said at the time, I'm surprised that. He was able to engineer that situation with Masvidal. Bearing in mind their backgrounds, Do you I, think I know it's, when, it's different in MMA compared to boxing, for example. But like, I still thought it was surprising for Masvidal. I thought a little bit of complacency. Embedded, there was that clip where Masvidal, and it it's, reminds me of Rousey Holm, where Rousey went on Jimmy Kimmel, I think. Yes, yes. And she said, "I know what people think. She's going to try and kick me in the head, and I'm not going to let that happen." Oh. And you knew the second it happened, like, boom, that's happening. And Masvidal, and I thought about it at the time when watching it, and he says, uh, look, he's the weakest puncher I've ever been in there with. That was what surprised me. I couldn't believe how soft he punched. He said, I guess God just hasn't blessed him with the power to be able to hurt another man with his hands. 
and he, he worded that very cool in the way that he did, did beforehand. But then when you see it, that was the first thing. The second, he, he knocks him out like that. Unbelievable. I've seen Herb getting some stick because he does seem to be as far away as he possibly can be <laughs> at a time like this. Oh, he's just look, something else. If you're in the Octagon M2, I know it's your job. He's got the best. He's got the best seat in the house. He made me. Oh, I'm a bit too close here. I want to be able to see everything properly. So he takes a little step back, and he had the best best view he possibly could have had for that shot. He's a savage man. A savage, savage man. Um, I, I saw Masvidal getting some props in the cage afterwards for the way that he handled it. As much as he did handle it well. I don't really know what else you can say after someone's done that to you. You can't smack talk them. No, you, you, can't. you can't use any excuse, can you, that, you know, oh, no. if we jumped in too soon or whatever, there's nothing that can really save you. I don't know. What, I mean, I don't know why they, he spoke well, but they need to stop interviewing people after the fights because I thought they were setting it up. Like the one when he said he was going to stop wasn't even the DC one. It was the one with Overy. It's Stipe, where he said Stipe tapped. And they made him stand there concussed while they got the footage up and made him watch it in the octagon to show him that oh, he didn't tap. Hideous, yeah. And the way that Rogan was speaking to Wei Lee, where he said, uh, I know you weren't happy, do you still think it was an early stoppage? It was like, what can she answer here? Like, She said to the translator, didn't she, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why are you doing this? Like, there's no need for it. I understand Masvidal's case. He's literally asked. He's asked and said, I want to do the interview. Mm. Wei Lee was on her way out of the octagon and they see when he stopped her. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there's even an argument that if they ask, you, could, you should yeah. stop them. Um, like I said, Masvidal was remarkably sort of clear headed and talking fine, wasn't he? Which yeah. does seem to affect others. In a different way, so it's a weird one. But yeah, not not in favour. Generally, it's just a, a horrible experience to watch. As well. yeah. It's not just bad for them it's, as the audience. The DC not, one was the worst. Any, yeah, oh. the Aljamain Sterling one was bad as well. Um, he was faking. One of the half situation. One of one of the good things with the the press conference that they have to do after is for as humble as Usman was afterwards, and I I thought he didn't need to be. Once they get back in the press conference after and they've had some time to think and they're reminded of all the things that the opponent said in the yeah, build-up, yeah. they do tend to slip a little bit where they're not necessarily being horrible, they're not being like rubbing it in, but they do take their moment. As you Look, if I don't like someone and I just knock them out like that on live TV in front of millions of people, I'm going to take my shine and I'm going to make the jokes I want to make. That's kind of what you're fighting for. Yeah. And so that clip where they set it up, is, is, it couldn't have gone any more perfect where they say those extra shots, um, was that because of the build-up? And he gives it, Bill, oh, I don't know what, I don't know what you mean. Um, like the ref didn't pull me off, which over here would have been, we <laughs> would have been laughing at that, but yeah. the, ref didn't, the ref didn't pull me off, so I, I didn't stop. So, and then it clicks in his head and he's like I guess you could say they were uh, super necessary and he's smirking through as he's saying it 
and you it's like the light bulb's gone off and you're like this is a bar but i'll have to drop right here it's so good i've not even problem. watched the whole press conference but that was enough for me to yeah, yes yeah that's the only bit i've seen is i guess the problem for Mars of that is that when you do that is if yeah. whatever happens to you <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna come back again well they tried getting it out of Askren and he just tweeted saying the thing yeah. is with fighting if you fight long enough you're going to be embarrassed at some point I did see. as Chael says is your obligation as a fighter you need to go out on your face for the next person to come I do, up I do love that take that is great <laughs> um, this is where we say the UFC they can make a great promo let's, let's not fault that in terms of building stars though they aren't great. And so it is good when these guys just have the mic time and they're able to just show who they are because we don't really know that Usman was this guy. And um, people are probably sick of me mentioning it now, but it's a lot cooler to say that I interviewed Kamaru back in the day. Yeah, and yeah. He was very much like, not cringy like you said, but he had his script ready to go. The clip I always share is I asked him, he was basically saying, none of the top guys are fighting me. Uh, the article I wrote, I called The Curious Case of Kamaru Usman because it's like, this guy's so good, but nobody will get in there with him. Yeah. Um, and he had his whole thing where he was like, I, I always say, when these guys get in there with me, they don't even think about winning. Their, their first thought is, how can I survive? And as in isolation, it's a very cool thing to say. <laughs> But yeah. he doesn't really do that now. He he very much just speaks from like his his soul, his character, and you see the things with him being a dad and bringing her in. The one-two punch with Ngannou is sensational. If you're yeah, not seeing yeah, the clip, I would point you towards uh, the the day before they do an interview and they say to so Kamaru being interviewed. Um, DC says, could you pass on a message to um, Francis for me? Tell him he's the heavyweight champ now, he's rich. He can get, he can buy some bigger shirts that fit. And Francis is posing behind the camera like he's flexing and he's like <laughs> pouting down the camera. And he yeah. says to DC, he's like, I don't know what you mean, DC. The ladies <laughs> tell me I'm really handsome. And he's just smirking behind, but it's just a great double act. Mm. I saw a meme of them saying that they came to an agreement and Ngannou said to Francis you lend me some of your wrestling and I'll give you some of my freakish knockout power <laughs> there's memes of uh, Dana and a dashiki saying <laughs> now these two are unstoppable he knows, he knows what he needs to do <laughs> just unbelievable and it's now we've got Colby Kamaru next, which I think I'll be rooting for a different man this time around. I was about to say, tough one for you. You're going to be switching again. <laughs> uh, we got Colby was an early friend of the pod as well, so I was going to say both friends of the pod. So uh, tricky on Colby. If you listen to the two interviews, probably a nicer guy than Usman at the time. <laughs> Phenomenal. Um, I We've, we'd forgotten probably because of the build of this just how good that first fight was as well so that's yeah running that well, my brother doesn't great my younger brother doesn't really watch much UFC and he's seen that fight and he messed me the other day like what a fight that was mm. 
Especially so as we, we thought it was going to be a bit of a shocker, didn't we, going in, probably. That, uh, well, yeah. We say, we say this often. We do say as well, good grapplers, good wrestlers, go against each other, end up striking because they yeah. don't want to wrestle. But often you, there is also the opposite that can be true, where it can be a bit messy, whereas that was the perfect line. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, and you said about the sorry, the last thing about the UFC with building stars, the Mazadar does still have some of that aura about him. So it's not like this has been taken off the table. No. Just the idea that him and McGregor was even in the same sort of stratosphere as that could have happened, and you've let them both lose, is just I don't yeah. know, just odd to me that you wouldn't, you wouldn't, it wouldn't take much to get those two going, and for whatever I reason think- you chose. Otherwise, they hope um, Leon Edwards wins it UFC two six two, and I think they make the Masvidal fight against Leon because you've already got the built-in storyline with a three piece and a soda. Um, I saw you don't some think in say that case he goes to Nate. You don't think he runs it back with Nate and then Leon gets the winner of the title fight? I think it depends on how. Leon wins if he does. If Leon looks a million dollars, which the people that beat Nate do tend to look that way because he either brings you in a dogfight and you win and you look like, look, you just overcome him in a war, or he looks a bloody mess and you come out of there looking like the crispest striker that's ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah. I saw some saying to match him up with Nick Diaz, which, I mean, I know... He's a star, but there's other guys we can match him up with in his first fight back if it ever does happen. The Lawler one seems too obvious to not happen. Who are we talking about? For Masvidal? Nick Diaz, sorry. But you said he was going to get given Nick Diaz. Is that what... Um, you, so, yeah, Nick Diaz was... has been linked with Masvidal. People are saying now he's lost. Make Nick Diaz to try and avenge Nate against Masvidal. Yeah, I mean, I mean just... I thought... To be honest, it's Usman was probably the least desirable. Which credit to Mazar, I guess, because the old dare to be great thing. He went for the bout when he could have gone for other fights. But I thought the play was either run it back with Nate, try and get something going with Nick, because I think that's almost free money for Masvidal, really. I think as a comeback fight, yeah. brutal for Nick. Call out McGregor because obviously I'd never that's never far away from the shoes payday. Or the, him and Colby still can be but would have been absolutely massive and would kind of yeah. usurp any title fight because that rivalry is just perfect. If if Colby loses to Kamara, depending on when they fight, then I think they may put that one on the table. Or if Kamaru says, look, I've just fought twice back to back, I want to have some time with my family, and Jorge's bugging them, saying I want to get back in there, they might just say to Colby, look, he's going to be out, so you need to get in there with Jorge. And I believe his confidence when he says about how training sessions with Masvidal used to go. The, the way their two styles clash, yeah, yeah, you would imagine it's perfect for Colby. So, any fans, doesn't... Colby basically just says he wrestles him all over the place, doesn't it? Yeah. Which, if you look at it on paper, that, that makes total sense. Because Jorge and his team, his manager's almost as bad as Ali Abdelaziz, but says, um, oh, we've got footage of Colby leaving training crying. No matter what you think of some of these fighters, the idea that some of them are, are wimps behind the scenes and they're scared, it, it, it's very hard to believe. Colby 
I find that almost hardest to believe any of them because his style and the way he is, I I just don't believe that's the case that Masvidal is going to bully him out of practice. I think he's the guy to go back in the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. But I think there's a reason that, that Masvidal isn't calling for that fight when just about everyone else in the division is saying they want Colby. I think that's quite telling. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he knows he's in for a tough night, doesn't he? I think. Yeah. But probably he's in for a tough night against Dudeman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he probably, yeah. Probably didn't get as many eyes as he might have got against Colby. Yeah. Um, I think that just about does us. Uh, done a lot of talking today. It's been an interesting pod. So. Uh, Carnage. Thanks to everyone that did come on, including Steve and Sean. Very briefly, um, we'll see how we recover from. Jack muting Alex in one of the most disrespectful things I think I've seen on this podcast. <laughs> I think the universe, um, I think it has to be straight to the top. Yeah. In the same podcast, my um, Spurs fans have said they don't want Rafa. Just, yeah. He's outdone it. Uh, we'll be back Friday. Um, Movie Madness, Back to the Future against the Mummy, and the interview with Jeffrey Wiseman dropping. And then next Monday, we'll be back with more sports. So until then, goodbye.